0: Hi, friends. Yes, I know what you're thinking. We are starting this episode with a disclaimer. What could possibly be wrong this time? And you know what? I'm trying my best. Basically, this episode, um, some of our guest's audio kind of gets clipped out. Um, So it's not you, it's not your phone, um, but I think that it's pretty legible still. Like you can still kind of get the gist of what she's saying. And a lot of the times we do kind of like repeat what she said in different words. So I think that It still totally makes sense, but just know that it's not your phone, it's not your computer that is um, being all clippy and weird, Uh, that's an us problem. And because of that, we did uh, have to lose a whole bunch of, you know, her going, "Uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, yes, right totally i agree you know in the middle of uh, when we're speaking so um i would just like to say that she was a very attentive and lovely guest who had a lot of really awesome points so uh enjoy the episode anyway so john says grace and he says that adam is always complaining about the drought so <laughs> classic adam. <laughs> adam typical adam <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is, like, what is your favorite shirt that you have? Uh, like, the shirt that you would want Hurley to hand you if you didn't have any other shirts. Yeah, you, well, you want to be cozy. Um, I bought this spirit jersey from um, Disney World that is Haunted Mansion themed. Yes. Um, I would probably fit into a medium, but I asked for a 2X. And it took us a quick minute to find it, too. Yeah, I had to ask them specifically for just the largest size that they had, um, because I just love to just drown, drown in yeah. it, really, is what yeah. I wanted. So I would say that's probably, like, my favorite shirt that I own. Um, but Brittany did point out that I have a Mr. Cluck's Chicken Shack shirt. Um, so thank you to it's Scott on theme. for giving that to me. Yes. And, um, I love, I love that shirt as well. It's a good shirt. It's framed. Yeah. What? Don't you have your Mr. Cluck shirt? Framed? No, that's my Isla Heart Shih Tzu shirt that's framed. Hurley has a lot of iconic shirts. He really does. Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. Like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And, um, the shirt I would want is my favorite shirt, which is, um... An oversized shirt from Target with a little white pocket that has Mickey Mouse and palm trees on it. Cute. I love that shirt. Um, and this episode, our guest is Joanna! Yay! Hi. Hi. Um, so we had Joanna um, on last season. She did the long con with us, and now she's back. Um, do you want to, if everybody doesn't remember, can you um, remind everybody who you are?
1: Yeah. Uh, so my name is Joanna. I'm from Portugal, so just when everybody, like, English is not my first language, so I apologize for any mispronunciations. Or mistakes or anything like that.
0: You're a queen for speaking more than one language. Don't worry.
1: (laughs) I'm currently 23 years old, but I'll be 24 when the podcast airs.
0: Ooh, happy
1: birthday! (laughs) Thank you. And I'm also a Slytherin. Oh, same. (laughs) Um, So who are some of your favorite characters? My favorite character, like number one, and it's like one of my favorites of all time, is Penny Whitmore. Yeah. And then following Penny, it's Saeed. Mm -hmm. I really love Said. And then like in no particular order, I really love like Early, Desmond, Libby, Mr. Echo, Cassidy, Frank Lapidos, Rousseau. I think I'm forgetting someone. But like I have a lot of characters I like mm-hmm. after like Penny and Right.
0: Jade. Um and then what does
1: lost mean to you? I think I. Like, it's one of those shows where I felt like like it's iconic. It's like a classic, mm-hmm. and it's one of those that when you love TV, it's on your list yes. of must watch. So like actually watching the show felt like a huge ac- ac- accomplishment, mm-hmm. like finally getting to it. And I just like really loved and really see why why it's like so many people's favorite right. show.
0: Cool. So um, how like where can we follow you on the internet? On Twitter. I'm
1: at Vridissima which is V-E-R-I-D-I-S-S-I-M-A and then on Tumblr, I'm this tag that loves the wolves, like the animal knights. Mm-hmm. The
0: we'll put those in the description if anybody's looking for them. Okay. Um, and then, what's your favorite shirt that you own?
1: I think like I have a lot of fandom shirts. I love them a lot, but I think like my favorite. I it think it's really comfortable. It's my like I have a shirt that's uh, that it says Charmaine Charmaine Diosa from the yes. hundred on the back. Yeah, I wear this. Shirt a lot and like like the um, the material of the shirt is like super comfortable so like that's probably my favorite like
0: oh i like that well let's get started yeah today we have words to say about episode 303 of lost further instructions so um In episode 221, which is the question mark episode, Locke said, what's next? And Mr. Echo said, we make camp, get some sleep, and wait for further instructions. So basically, these are the further instructions that Echo was talking about in episode 221. Um, And I remember when he said that when we were covering 221, I was like, that's gonna come back later! So, here it is, coming back. I Um, feel like those instructions were not overly clear. Yeah, they weren't super clear. Uh, The broadcast date was October 18th, 2006. It was written by Carl and Elizabeth Sarnoff, and it was directed by Stephen Williams. A fun fact about the episode uh, that I mentioned last episode was that uh, this episode was originally intended to be the second of the season, but then it switched to air after The Glass Ballerina. This is only the second time in the show's history that the order of the episodes had been switched, having happened only in season one with Solitary and Race by Another, and then it happens again in season five. I think it was the right move. You do? This episode's too weak to put as a second episode. I agree, and I think that um, The Glass Ballerina was so strong, at least in my opinion, exactly. I really love that episode. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that this episode is one of, if not Locke's weakest episodes. Yep. There's still a lot to talk about with it, but I would say like in terms of storytelling, it's obviously not the strongest. Um, what do you think, Joanna?
1: I think, I think I'm not sure. Like I'm trying to think of like other Locke episodes mm-hmm. and I'm not because I remember like this one this episode like stayed in my right. mind I think it was like more about the guest stars because I I've said this the last time I really like the guest mm-hmm. stars on Lost like, so I remember this episode from the locks Locke episode staying more in my mind mm-hmm. also again like Locke is not a, one of my favorites right so sometimes like his episodes like leave my mind and I don't remember them all
0: Sure. Um so Brittany's going to recap the episode now. She's gonna try and do it as quickly as possible. Um but I'm you never gonna know.
2: Fail. Okay, ready? Yeah, okay, here's this episode. Locke wakes up in the jungle and immediately hits up camp for supplies. Charlie wants to know the tea, but Locke is like nonverbal right now. He communicates to Charlie that he needs to speak to the island. Okay, Charlie's like, "Bro, I hate you and I don't want to help you," but he goes along with it anyway because he's Charlie and his middle name is Curiosity. Locke is gonna go on a vision quest. Sorry to every Indigenous person and Native American watching this. He sees everyone on the island and rolls at an airport, but I'll let Robin cover all of that. Yep. Anyway, moral of the story is that he needs to save Mister Echo. Charlie takes along and they follow some clues and talk about a polar bear. Then they chase the polar bear and Locke throws his knife to kill it, but he hits Hurley's water bottle instead, which is a little wasteful. Hurley wants to hang now too, but there's a bear afoot. Locke finds a cave and decides to go it because he thinks Echo is there, but Charlie is not allowed. No, Charlie's allowed. Hurley finds a naked Desmond and gives him a tie-dye shirt. That's nice. Locke finds Echo in the cave, but he also finds a bear. Oop! He rescues Echo from the bear with some fire. Hurley pokes holes in the hatch plot. Is Des a superhero because he survived an electromagnetic blast? Nah. Desmond tells him not to worry about Kate, Jack, and Sawyer, since he said this, since Locke said in his speech that he'd save them. But Locke made no such speech. I'm sure that's nothing. Locke and Charlie Hall echo through the jungle. Locke apologizes to a pass out Echo for not listening to him. Echo was like, "Psych, I'm away, Go save people." And also, you're a hunter. They ride back at the beach, and Locke reveals everyone has been kidnapped and captured, but he'll find them. There's that speech Des was talking about in the flashbacks. Locke picks up a hitchhiker named Eddie. A cop pulls them over, and Eddie says Locke is his uncle. That's chill. Locke brings him to this shared community place. that's like kind of like a cult. Then they pray and eat food. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, Eddie thinks all the people there have daddy issues and Locke is like don't joke about that Eddie wants to know the tea about the greenhouse he wants in Locke visits Michael and Jen on their pot farm and finds out Eddie is an undercover cop waiting to blow their whole operation and Locke is a patsy Locke takes Eddie out hunting as a roost to interrogate him did Eddie know Locke would be driving yeah he did Locke won't shoot him because he's a farmer. Locke says he's a hunter. I think he's Donkey! Anyway, he doesn't (laughs) shoot.
0: Do you want to know what Charlie's real middle name is? Yeah! Hieronymus? Oh, right, of course. Yeah. Okay, so his middle name is Curiosity. Thank you so much. Hieronymus Curiosity Pace. Honestly, there's been worse names in the world. Yeah. Like Albus Severus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) um cool so there isn't really much of an A and B storyline on the island plot um like there usually is like we've got some Hurley stuff but Hurley and Desmond are so like ingrained in also the Charlie and Locke stuff so I think we're basically just going to go all through the whole island storyline um and then move on to the flashbacks and that's just how it be this episode cool, I think Cool. cool, 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 cool. um I- I'm gonna say uh I'm ready to talk for a very long time about that vision <laughs> That there was a lot in there. There's a lot. All right. So here is my summary for the first scene in this storyline. Locke wakes up in the jungle after the explosion. He can't talk and he's super disoriented. Locke gets to the beach and starts taking apart his own tent. He's going to build something. Charlie joins him where the church was being built. Locke tells Charlie via charades that he's going to t- that he's trying to talk to the island. Okay. So first of all, we open on Locke's eye, um, which of course is a theme. We like to open on eyes. Of it's course. our favorite thing to do. Um, And this is us finally getting answers as to what's happening on the other side of the island because there were four people in the big explosion and we only knew the fate of one of them um, at the end of season two Mm -hmm. and it's taken three episodes to figure out that luckily all three of the other people are currently alive. That would be infuriating as a viewer to have to wait for for two weeks. Yes. Or, no, like, for a whole hiatus and then also two Exactly. Weeks. Yeah. Um, so he can't talk, and, you know, he kind of sees Desmond running around, so there you go, they're both alive, and so now we kind of are just wondering about Echo at this point. Um, so Echo's stick falls on John, and the stick obviously has 4, 8, 15, and 16 on it. And, you know, a lot of important stuff happens with the the stick later. Mm -hmm. So Locke shows up on the beach and he starts destroying his own hut. (laughs) You know how it is. To make uh, his sweat lodge, I guess. I thought thought it was kind of weird that Claire was like, oh, when did Locke get back? Did Charlie- was Charlie at no point like, oh, there were three other people in the blast, but I'm just going to wait here until they, like, show up again? Like, are you not yeah, going to go look, look for them? why would he, like, take a group out to go look for all of them? He's like, oh, that's <gasps> weird. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Why does Claire ask Charlie to go ask and find out, like, do it yourself? Oh, yeah. Because she knows that he and Charlie have had a falling out and they're not friends. Well, maybe that's what she was trying to encourage. Maybe. Maybe also, like, she had Aaron to look at to look after.
1: Right, and she didn't want to like leave the baby alone at that moment. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, she wanted the tea, but she didn't want to like put the effort in. I respect her. It seems like it kind of like, kind of takes Charlie like a long time to go and talk to Locke because it was like afternoon, and then like I think it was. <sighs> I think it was even- I'm trying to remember when the the hatch exploded, like, in the day. I feel like it was, like, mid-afternoon-ish. And so I think that Locke was not lying there for a very long time before he stood up. So then he goes to the beach, but then when Charlie comes to see him, I think it's, like, evening. So it's been a few hours before Charlie has, like, plucked up the courage to actually go and talk to Locke, I think. Yeah. And then I think after he's built the sweat lodge- it has been like another day because then it's like midday again when he asks him to come help him with the sweat lodge. Oh, that makes sense.
1: Oh, yeah, that makes more sense because I, think. I had written and knows mm-hmm. like wondering why Charlie was like in a completely different place where we left off. Yeah, because I thought but like like scenes in a row like mo- in the chronologically like, of the show they had been on their own like what like that log had told them that he wanted to talk to the island, and then Charlie had just turned his back away and done something else. Right. I didn't realize there was, like, more time between.
0: Yeah, I think there has to have been, yeah, because he's he's built the entire sweat lodge Mm -hmm. in between that time, so I think it's been, like, at least a day um, since then, but that's definitely not super, super clear. So then Charlie makes the joke about how you don't call, you don't write, (laughs) which, like, bro, it's been, like, a couple hours, um, and also he literally stole Bernard's joke. Bernard in SOS came to Echo and- charlie and like made that exact same joke to echo and then charlie stole that joke in three minutes and now he's stealing the joke again so oh i guess God. that's just charlie you're a joke Listen, he's a joke thief this yeah. is just how it be so also i just wanted to say that it's pretty lucky for terry he doesn't have to remember any lines <laughs> which is lucky for oh, him yeah all he used to do is like gesture dom has all the all the work
1: still like in the actual like beginning of the c- of the the scene. What one thing I noticed, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've not watched the season two finale in a long time, Mm -hmm. but like, you have Desmond, you have like Locke lying down Mm -hmm. at the same time, like you have Desmond running, running across the jungle, yeah, and it kind of parallels the explosion when you have Desmond trying to find the solution, trying to find the key, and you have like Locke more like quietly trying to figure out what's happening and not so much taking like an actual action when the explosion is about to happen
0: that's such a good point Mm -hmm. because you're totally right Desmond really at the end of last season like was gonna do something about it and Locke kind of was just like standing there like You know, the ground's shaking beneath him and he's, like, trying to dodge things and turns to Echo and just says, I was wrong, instead of, like, trying to fix it like Desmond was. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that's what shock will do to you, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I also think it's funny that, like, we see Desmond later and he's also, like, he's still just, like, prancing around. (laughs) <laughs> like, just slightly outside of where the beach is because he literally has no clothes. <laughs> and he's, like, too afraid to be like, can someone give me a shirt? And it takes him, like, over halfway through the episode to, like, find some clothes. So Charlie says that the trees are very, are wonderful conversationalists. um, And this is a reference to Lord of the Rings um, because, obviously, Dominic Bro- Monaghan was in Lord of the Rings um, and... In, uh, I think it was the second one, Mary, which is his character, spends time talking to Ents, which is a race of large, sentient trees. Oh! Additionally, the scene in which John finds Echo's lost piece of jewelry is similar to a scene in The Two Towers in which Aragorn finds the pin which was dropped by one of the hobbits. So, there's just a bunch of Lord of the Rings, um references this episode. I literally picked up on oh. none of that. Oh, yeah, me, ne- me, me neither. Either. But it's, yeah. like, really cool. Yeah.
1: Especially because, like, Lord of the Rings was probably coming out at the same time. Yeah, right?
0: Like, wasn't it... As lost, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I know that Dom has said in some of the bonus features that he felt like he got typecast a lot, um, especially for, like, playing a hobbit, and so he always got, like, hobbit-type roles. So I think potentially, um, like, maybe the this the, this second one had at least come out by the time that they were oh, okay. by the time that they were writing this okay. season, but I don't know the timeline in the Lord of the Rings movies. I think that at least this one had definitely happened though. Okay, the, fair the enough. The second one. Okay. So yeah, uh, I love this game of Locke's frustrated charades. <laughs> I love that.
3: I don't understand. Who do you need to speak to? The church. Sky. Island. Island. You need to speak to the island.
0: I love that he doesn't even think to like write in the sand. He just waves his arms about. So Locke is kind of just hanging out where the church was being built and it looks like Charlie and Echo got a lot farther than I remember them Getting, you know, yeah. like, they really did kind of make uh, more of a structure than I thought. And so I was wondering, like, what was he pulling down from his, like, his hut then? If, like, this structure had already been made? And I guess that's kind of, like, whatever the sweat lodge ended up being made of. I don't know if he, like, took down some of the it looks like, him. like, a bunch of fabrics, too. Yeah. So, yeah, he needs to speak to the island, so that's that's what his goal is for at least the beginning here. Can you imagine being Charlie and hearing that? You'd be like, okie dokie. He's like, you know what? You would, wouldn't you? Sure. Yeah. So, later, Locke goes to Charlie again. Using a pen and paper, he tells Charlie that he's building a sweat lodge and needs Charlie's help to stand guard so no one comes in. Charlie reminds him that they're kind of enemies, but Locke insists for some reason. I, I don't really understand why he chooses Charlie. Availability. Like... Charlie was also in the explosion, so, but I don't understand why he then couldn't be like, hey, I mean, I guess Sawyer, Jack, and Saeed are all gone, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know where Hurley is at this point, so, like, Charlie's the only one around? Like, literally, I think it was that Charlie was the first person he came across who, like, showed interest. He was like, all right, I picked this one. Right, Charlie came to him. Exactly. Yeah,
1: I think besides Claire, you have no more available main characters.
0: Until oh, the boy. end of the episode when they bring in Nikki and Paolo, oh which I'm really excited to the talk about. The fact that you just referred to them as main characters. I got so excited when I saw them. Yeah, they're they're main characters. They're in the um, main credits. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, like, are there any other main characters around? Because certainly Michael and Walt are gone. I mean, um... You, Claire you is right there. Perfect. Yeah. You
1: have... Ro- they're not like Rose and Bernard
0: yeah Rose and Bernard are around but I don't think we see Rose and Bernard for like a while now I don't know where they went but they're just like not present really they're just vibing you mentioned like in
1: SOS SOS, Mm -hmm. and like I don't think we'll see Rose I don't know the the number you said but just like I think a few seasons before we the Rose again. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, listening to you say it and, like, wow, I did not realize. I know, when you don't even
0: notice, which makes you feel bad. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And, and and he needs somebody to guard, right? So he wouldn't ask Claire to do that. And, like, you said, Joanna, like, she kind of has the baby to deal with. So Charlie um, really was his only option. I guess it was Charlie. Well, I, wait, where was Hurley? Hurley is walking back from the dock. That's right. Okay. Yeah.
1: And, and I think. I think Charlie, like, ends up making a lot of sense because, like, this episode ends up being a lot about Locke and, like, this younger characters like, kids on in their 20s right. and his relationship with them. Yeah, that's true. With Boone, Eddie, and Charlie.
0: Oh, yeah, good point. That's a really good point. So, yeah, he needs Charlie to stand guard. Who do you think, like, who does he expect to, like, interrupt him? Just, like, anybody? Yeah, like, maybe. Claire? I don't, yeah. maybe? I, I don't know. I, I think. would
1: want to, like, ask questions about what's happening.
0: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he made a sweat lodge. (laughs) Um, No no big deal. And, okay, uh, at the sweat lodge, oh, here we go. I'm so excited. Okay. At the sweat lodge, Locke makes himself a paste for his conversation with the island. (laughs) Um, Charlie tells him not to do drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Once he gets in there, he eats the paste and begins to hallucinate. He sees Boone and tries to apologize. Boone takes him into a vision of the LAX airport, where he sees versions of all of his fellow survivors in various roles, the airport. He gets to the top of the escalator and Boone tells him to clean up the mess he made. Locke wakes up to the image of an angry polar bear. He runs out of the sweat lodge and can now speak. He knows what to do. He has to save Mr. Echo. It's interesting that he got his voice back there. Mm -hmm. Because he finally has something important to say, right? Oh, oh, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So he makes himself some drugs and he did the exact same thing for Boone in Hearts and Minds in season one. But when he did it for Boone, all he had to do was like put it on like, the back of his head, he had a wound on the back of his head, mm-hmm. so I guess it, like, went into his, like, bloodstream or something, and this one lock is eating. I don't know where he learned this sort of thing, because in the flashbacks, he talks about, like, the sweat lodge and everything, but he kind of just says, you go in there and you meditate, he doesn't really say, like, and then you, all- but you also take some drugs or whatever. Well, like, that's, like, traditionally what a vision quest would involve, like, Actually, it's not. Here, let me read you out what it said on Lostpedia about the vision quest, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about the vision quest. Yeah, sure. So, a vision quest. um, After building a sweat lodge, Lot goes on a vision quest. A vision quest is a rite of passage in some Native American cultures. It may be part of shamanism, more exactly the learning and initiation process of the apprentice for achieving the ability for shamanizing. Shamanism refers to a range of traditional beliefs and practices concerned with communication with the spirit world. Yeah, so... It's not always accompanied by taking hallucinogens. Right. And the sweat lodge is more about purification of, like, the mind, body, and soul Mm -hmm. in, like, certain... Native American or Indigenous, like, cultures. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess the drug was to, like, speed up the process. Sure. But, like, sometimes it's just basically, like, y- you don't eat or sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's where our hallucinations come from. Right. But Locke was, like, drugs. He's like, I don't got that time. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, questionable use of Native American, specifically Native American culture, because this is, I guess, a uni- like, a, st- a show in the States mm-hmm. on, like, how to do Vision Quest and, like, obviously we're not informed enough to speak on it. I just know that it's sort of, like, a bastardization of, like, a sacred practice. Yeah. We were kind of talking about, like, the cultural appropriation while we were re-watching the episode today, and I was kind of saying that I would- I think I would be more concerned if they had someone like Jack do it. Like, imagine if they had Jack do this, I'd be like, ew. I- th- you know what I mean? But Locke is very- it feels like he's probably done a lot of, like, research on this thing specifically, and, um, It's something that he, like, truly believes in, so I'm, like, not as bothered by it. I think, like, I mean- Although, although it's not my place to be bothered by it Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I think, like, because they also put it in the flashback, and I was like, oh, okay, so these are, like, weed-smoking hippies who have, like, sweat lodges and stuff, and I was just like, hey, like, all of you people suck. Right, um, because there were no Native Americans in those scenes, mm-hmm. and like they didn't talk about the culture at all. It's just like you're just doing like the typical like hippie like appropriative thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like as we said, like we can't speak on it too much. Mm-hmm.
1: But I think like that connection to the flashback.
0: Yeah, of, yeah, it's not something
1: it came to his mind to like do right now. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. It was good that they had it in the in the flashback to tie those stories together. Yeah, I would say that like there are only, like, a few, like, big physical ties to the flashbacks, um, this episode. And, like, these flashbacks really kind of, like, stand alone. They, like, many other flashbacks connect with other flashbacks. So, for example, last episode we had um, the stuff with Jay Lee and so Jay Lee is in like two other flashback episodes with Sun Mm -hmm. and you know the episode before we had Sarah and Sarah's in three other I think maybe four other flashback episodes with Jack you know and um, some episodes, they just stand uh, alone. And, you know, in the flashbacks, Locke is the only character that we know and the only character that we ever see again, you know? Um, so it's kind of strange, but um, there's still, you know, lots to talk about about it. So, yeah.
1: And, like, this flashback, like, where it implies that, like, Loc- Locke and Ace people were going to get be arrested because, like, yeah. Eddie knew his name and that is never, like, mentioned again. Right. In like any...
0: Yeah, who's to say if Mike and Jan got arrested, but Locke didn't? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Why didn't Locke get arrested? I don't know. I mean, first of all, arresting people for, like, having pop farms is insane. Yeah. But, I mean, we could talk about incarceration levels of, like, different people at a future date. Yeah. But, like, why didn't Locke get in trouble? Is it because he pulled a gun on him and he was just like, oh, okay, I, I don't know. Maybe because he helped him and maybe Eddie felt bad for him. I don't know. I'm so confused. So Charlie says, huh, it seems like it's weird that you're doing drugs because you seem to not like drugs last time and you might have to punch yourself in the face because you apparently you punch people for doing drugs. I mean, that's what Locke seems to think is his version of, like, tough love. Yeah. Stop doing drugs. I'll punch you. What? Well, I mean, yeah, and if you want to hear more about that, like, ha- check out our Fire Plus Water yes. um, podcast because we sure talk a lot about... um charlie and Locke that episode and um you know what that punching was even about mm-hmm. um so charlie makes a reference to altered states when he says i'm going to stand out here in case you devolve into a monkey it's a reference to this 1980 science fiction film in which the main protagonist takes tribal drugs and a sensory deprivation causing him to regress into a neanderthal like humanoid uh, uh. <laughs> okay sure so he promises not to come in, and he eats the paste. I, I don't know how he knows about all this stuff. It doesn't really seem like something that you would research to go on a walk about, but... They, they should have given us more context for this. Yeah, for how he knows specifically about, like, those, like, all the drug stuff. Exactly. Okay, and then we already talked about the Vision Quest, so hello! Welcome back, Ian summerholder I'm really sorry about your terrible wig. I was just gonna say, Robin has thoughts about your wig. So he was in Vampire Diaries at this time and I just wanted to say that his his hair wasn't even that bad like when we last saw him it was like kind of mullet-ish but this is very mullet-ish and I don't like it it's longer yeah it's like it's, did no one I have so many questions about what happens with wig culture mm-hmm. in TV because I feel like no one's getting it right Yeah. even now mm-hmm. so I really love the moment where Locke tries to apologize to Boone but Boone already knows
2: hi John Good to see you again. What's that, John? Oh,
3: you're sorry. That's okay. But I was the sacrifice the island demanded. Don't worry. You'll speak when you have something worth saying. I'm here to help you find your way again. So you can bring the family back together. Come on. I
0: want to show you something. I don't know if Locke thinks that this is actually Boone. I think he does. Yeah. He thinks that this is, like, actually Boone's, like, soul or, like, spirit. Oh, for sure. I think he thinks that Boone haunts him. So I guess now is, and I think this might be a spoiler question, but is this actually Boone? Or is it... Something or it like or is it like the island? I think I think even with or without spoilers, I don't think it's Boone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think
1: it's more part of the visions and the sweat lodge and the drugs they took.
0: Right, sure, yeah. This could even just be. It's interesting because inside the vision, there is like some really important information. Yeah, that makes me think that this can't all just be Locke's mind. Making these things up, like I could just say this is just like a vision of Boone that Locke has made up for himself, and Boone apologize or um accepts his apology because Locke needs him to accept the, the apology, etc. But there's information inside of the. Uh, inside the actual vision that makes me think that there is some sort of insight from the island. No, there's definitely outside influences here. Yeah. It, it's not all in Locke's head, because mm-hmm. I don't think that Locke even knew that Sayid, son and Jin went off on their own. And Where yet- was he? He was in the hatch when that was happening, yeah, right? There's yeah. no way he could have known. Yeah. That. So, so it's definitely not just Locke. But I don't think that this is actually Boone's like soul or anything. Agreed, because he seems really That's chill with just having been a sacrifice. He was like, "Yeah, I'm- I was a sacrifice. It's fine. <laughs> That's just how it be sometimes." Yeah. <laughs> if this is the island they're just like thanks for the sacrifice it's okay Ooh, woohoo. um so lock can't talk and boone says that he will speak when he has something worth saying Drag him. That is, (laughs) ouch. Incredibly harsh to hear. Yeah. So he can't use his legs anymore, so he has to go back into the wheelchair. So we're in LAX, and everyone else is in normal clothes, but he and Boone. I think it's kind of cool. I think that kind of implies, not that it matters because it is a vision, but it kind of implies that, like, the other characters in the scene wouldn't be able to, like, see Boone and Locke. Like, they're kind of invisible in this moment. They're observers. Yeah. Yeah. So he sees Claire, Charlie, and Aaron, and he says that they will be fine for a while. Um, which we can talk a little bit more about in the spoiler section. Sounds ominous. He sees Sun, Jin, and Saeed, and they are all together. And Jin and Sun argue, but Saeed handles it. I love the imagery of that. Tell me more. Well, it's just like, whatever- is this being that is Boone is telling him that he doesn't need to worry about Jin and Sun because they have Said. Right. And so Hurley is working at the airport. He's putting the numbers in using the computer. Why? Why is he working at the airport? I don't get that one. Because there are three characters that we see working at the airport, which is Hurley, Desmond, and Ben. So like I think like Go ahead. I think
1: for me when I saw like early working, I think it's kind of implying in Locke's mind the idea that's like that early in Locke's mind is more of a follower not so much someone who takes charge
0: right oh sure yeah which is different because then we see Desmond walking with some stewardesses but he and he's in like a pilot's uniform so that kind of makes him like a pilot or a captain or they're people who have authority on the island yeah yeah but also like
1: outsider we have- most of the like early the exceptions like all the others are passengers and then you have Desmond who's an outsider in their group mm-hmm. who came from the plane being an outsider in the vision in the vision as well mm-hmm.
0: right yeah so I yeah so Desmond's helping himself and that's why he does he's the captain and Hurley is also like helping people he's helping people get to where they need to get I guess right yeah yeah so we see Sawyer and Kate in the security line and Jack is also in the security line. What does this symbolize? I I feel like this actually just symbolizes like their storylines this season. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking like where we see Charlie, Kate and and Aaron is like not in the line, I don't think, because we have let like, let's say that the security checkpoint is like the others or whatever. Jack is like up at the at the front where he's like actually like right in it like Ben is- the security guard and is literally, like, um, what's it called? Like, using the wand, the security wand on him? Yeah. And so he's already there, and Sawyer and Kate are just about, like, there as well. Saeed, Jin, and Sun are not in the security line, but they're, like, in line to get in the security line? Yeah. So they're also, like, getting closer and closer to the others, and eventually they will also get there? So I wonder if that might be part of it? It, like, it's like boarding the plane represents, like, a new part of, like, the island. Yeah. Oh, and
1: and with that idea you also have Hurley being like in the middle of that, mm-hmm. not in the direction of boarding a plane, but just like helping people when like it's a story in this one. It's coming back from the others
0: to tell people mm-hmm. what happened. Right. And he's giving like Locke and Co. the like power and knowledge to go towards the others, right? Which makes sense that he yeah. would be the one who is like kind of giving people directions to get to the security line. Yeah. So yeah, Jack is also a little farther up in the security line. He's getting scanned and the scanner makes the hatch beep sound. And Ben is one of the security officers and he's the one scanning Jack. So can we have any like symbolism of Ben, like of like scanning somebody with a security wand? Like what's the symbolism, what's the symbolism of that? That's definitely like Ben choosing people who are worthy right Mm -hmm. or like just making sure that he is like good enough or like Ben deciding who lives and dies sort Mm -hmm. of thing Mm -hmm. and kind of um like scoping him out to see if he'll do what he wants him to do. Or something. Yeah. So Boone says that there's nothing Locke can do for them yet, which I think also kind of foreshadows him being like, I'm gonna go and get them at the end of the episode. On uh, Lostpedia, it pointed out this kind of like fun fact. Um, the survivors in Locke's vision are grouped together the way they are in real time, and not as they were left in the season two finale when Locke last knew about them, which I kind of brought up with the yeah. fact that um, Locke doesn't have this information, so there must be some sort of insight coming from the actual island. Jack, Kate, and Sawyer with Ben. The last Locke knew Hurley and Michael were with them, and Ben had not yet gained control of them. Said with Jin and Sun. Locke was in the Swan when all three of them decided to leave. Desmond is a pilot alone and enjoying himself. He was a missing at the time, and Hurley separated from the rest. He was traveling back to the beach at the time. So yeah, we kind of brought that up yep. already. Um, so he's told to clean up his own mess. And Boone feels sorry for him and then disappears and now he has to get up the escalator. We have this moment where we see Boone at the very top of the escalator, which kind of reminds me of, I think it was question mark when we saw Echo's brother Yemi up at like the top of that cliff and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, that kind of just gave me those sort of vibes. So he lies down on the escalator and he finds some blood on the ground and he gets it on his hand, which... Um, comes back later in the episode... It also is, like, uh, we were talking when I was when we were watching, but it's um, very, re- like, religious symbolism with the blood on the hands. Yeah, and that also goes toward Echo's stick, which... Exactly. So then Boone is all bloody, um, which I think is supposed to be about, like, his actual death, you know? Like, his shirt is ripped like it was when um, the plane fell on top of him and everything. Yeah, exactly. But it also kind of reminds me of in season one when Locke also had another vision with a wheelchair and with Boone in it. That was the part where he goes, Teresa falls up the stairs, Teresa falls down the stairs, and he was all bloody. Oh yeah. Then Boone says, they've got him, which is kind of a weird thing to say about, like, a bear. Like, who's got him? They've got him. The bear? Is he talking about Walt? I don't think so. We're talking about Echo.
1: I was watching that scene and did not, I remember the bear. So, like, I thought it was telling me that the others had Echo. Right. So I was very confused about
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what it sounds like when he says they've got him. So, yeah, I'm not really super clear about that. Yeah, I don't really get that. So he wakes up and he sees like the vision of the um, polar bear. We've got another fun fact from Lostpedia where it said while Locke's vision was shot on film like the rest of the series, it differs photographically in several ways. While shooting Michael Bond villain, I think who is the um, his last name is what Bond villain B O N V I L L A I N. Bond villain. Well, that would have been interesting... It could have been... Could be... interesting... <laughs> it, been Bo- it could be Bond villain. Like, I don't know, but... But it's like, you look at it and you're like... Bond villain. All right! <laughs> yeah. Who I think is the director of photography, I suppose, um, used a narrow shutter angle to create a choppy feeling and changed the aperture during various shots several times, which is very unusual, to subtly alter the exposure or brightness of the image. All other visual oddities were performed in post-production, including the high contrast and crushed blacks, which were altered in the color correcting phase of the digital intermediate. That's cool. Lost is always heavily color corrected. It is simply more noticeable in Locke's vision because it differs in style from the rest of the show. That's really cool. Um, it also said that it also employs a multi- multiple blurry copies of an image overlaid in montage, which is a technique that is also used in Live Together, Die Alone Part 1 when Kelvin rescues Desmond. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. When Desmond was like all messed up. Um, these techniques give the sequence a look that is very different from that used for Islander flashback scenes. That's cool. I like that. So there you go for more of the, like, scientific stuff that happened there. And now Locke can talk, and he has to go and save Echo's life. That's his job for the episode, I suppose. Well, now he has something to say. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, something worth saying. Exactly. <laughs> so Locke- brutal thing to hear. I know. So Locke gets going to find Echo and Charlie is tagging along. Locke tries to get Charlie to go back, but he won't. So Brittany, you had thoughts on this. Why does Charlie go? Why does Charlie decide to go after Locke has already used him for what he needed? I think Charlie just wants to be a part of something at all times. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to be a part of like Claire's life and he wants to be a part of everyone else's adventures and like this is just like an extension of that. He's just really- he's just a really curious dude, you know? Yeah. I
1: also think, like on like him being curious. I also think, like he has a very like childlike, childlike personality. He says in this episode, that like remind me of things a child would say, mm-hmm. like like the charades, the way of like having just fun with the charades, right? Yeah. before like actually taking it seriously. And I think it's just like mm-hmm. as a child, he just wants like find out what's happening, find out more.
0: Right. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I agree. I think that narratively, it's because Charlie is literally the only main character that there is, which we kind of mentioned, but, like, character-wise, yeah, I think it's just because, like, he wants to go and he doesn't have anything- It's like, you could just hang out with Claire, though. Like, you guys just, like, made up, you know? But, okay, sure, go do this dangerous thing. I just can't relate. I can't (laughs) relate to being like, I could hang out with my girlfriend, or I could go do something dangerous, but- Whatever. That's why the. Yeah, that's why you're not on the island. Yeah.
1: But that's like. I think Claire would
0: want him to not let Locke alone. Oh right, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, Claire, that would make Claire. Yeah, agree. Claire is good friends with Locke. Yeah. Um, I like that Locke's voice is still hoarse. Um, because he hasn't spoken for a while. Yeah, it's a. It, I feel like that was like something that Terry did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I like. That's not, like, just that scene. It continues,
0: like, throughout the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gets better and better as the episode goes on. How long did he go without talking? (sighs) A couple days, at least? Yeah, well, it was, like, when he woke up, and then it it had been at least a day. Maybe, like, I would say a day and a half. Okay so they find Echo's cross which I guess is kind of Yemi's cross and so they're like oh he must have been dragged this way he got dragged a really far way like I don't I gotta say like the whole thing with like I enjoy the lock stuff this episode but with the Echo stuff like I've always found this sort of thing about like what happened to Mr. Echo after the explosion to be like really murky I like it's like they didn't know what to do with Mr. Echo so they just did this I'm just not sure exactly what happened even now so Locke says that obviously it was a polar bear, and Charlie's like, they killed- obviously, yeah, they killed the polar bear, and he points out that Sawyer killed a polar bear, but there are more. That's an upsettingly accurate thing to point out, yeah. So then, um, he bends down to the ground and he gets some blood on his hands, just like he did in the dream. And Locke wants to go on alone, but Charlie obviously is going to help, and he says, "Bad things happen to people who hang around with me." So um, that's already like some serious foreshadowing for mm-hmm. um, Charlie's well-being in the next uh, next while here. And I also thought it was interesting because Hurley feels the same way, that whenever people hang around him, bad things happen to them because he thinks that he's bad luck. That might be, like, why he and Charlie bond so much, too. Right. Right. So if Charlie or Hurley also feels like bad things happen to people who hang out with him, Charlie hangs out with not only Locke, but also Hurley. So he he hangs out with, like, the two most dangerous people. Yeah. Like, this is fine. Mm -hmm. So Locke and Charlie make it to where the hatch used to be. It's just a big hole now. They find a dead boar that Locke says a polar bear may come back to. They hear something and run away. Locke throws a knife and luckily it just misses Hurley hitting the water bottle he's drinking from. So the hatch imploded, but nobody else did. Like, nobody who was around did. So I guess, you know, the island wasn't done with them yet. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's called magic, look it up. They find a dead boar and the bear will probably come back to it. So they start running and he throws the knife into Hurley's water bottle. Um, that's kind of it. <laughs> I mean, of course, like, you know what I really like about this, though? Is you're like, where the hell did the bears come from? And then you realize, bear cages. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're, the th- the show of like reasons to explain these absolutely insane things Mm -hmm. you're like why would there be a bear here a polar bear yeah well let me tell you about
1: those fish biscuits yeah (laughs) and and it's interesting like that they bring back the bears around the same they they show us the bear cages
0: Mm -hmm. exactly that's, like, something that that bothers me is that, like, people are always like, there's so many unanswered questions. Hello, the polar bears? I'm like, you didn't even have to wait very long to get the polar bears explained, you know? Like, like that was season three. Of all the things, was very answered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, of all of the unanswered questions, of which I think there are, like, a couple. That's the thing that you're complaining like about? That- the thing that actually was solved? Yeah. <laughs> the thing that actually has an answer. Okay.
1: I think people could have, if not, like, where the bear comes from. Is why specifically were chosen to be brought to the island? Right.
0: That, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. And I understand that one because that one is also answered, but like much later. So, um. So it's like if you gave up, you'd be like, well, there was that stupid polar bear thing they never explained. And like, you'd be like, well, you stopped watching before they explained it. Yeah. Um, so Hurley tells Charlie and Locke everything he learned at the dock. Ooh, it rhymes. Locke tells Hurley to go do what he was told to and go back and tell everyone. Charlie tells Hurley what he and Locke are doing and Hurley gets spooked about the bear and so he goes. I don't blame him. So basically Hurley tells them everything he learned, which is kind of the summary for a beginning of the season, you know, kind of like, you know, every Harry Potter book starts with them being like, remember that time when the Chamber of Secrets? <laughs> Here's everything that happened after! <laughs> Here's what he missed on Glee, you know? Like, did you not read the last book? Yeah. Yeah.
3: They kept Jack, Kate, and Sawyer, and he sent me back to tell everyone else that we can't ever go over there. From that dude we had in the hatch, Henry, he was there. He's like the leader. So, what do we do? Do what they told you. Go back to the camp and tell the others. Are you not going to do anything? I am doing something. Go back to the beach, Hugo. Wait, where are you guys going? The island told Locke he has to save Echo. Save him from what? Well, apparently, a bear's got him. He's just made an active kill. You may want to hustle.
0: Bear? What bear? So, yeah, Locke says, okay, well, keep doing what you were told to do. Thanks for telling me. Charlie catches Hurley up on the Locke tee as if, like, Locke is just a crazy person. Then why did you come? Like, if you're not having a good time, then, like, why didn't you (laughs) come? That's a good point and Hurley of course is scared of the bear so he decides not to go with them and I think it's interesting because I think that Charlie and Hurley are very similar in a lot of ways but however like something scary happens and Charlie's like so yeah I'm gonna stick around and Hurley's like that sounds dumb so I'm definitely not gonna do that bye. Yeah but you could also argue that um Charlie fully does not believe that the bear exists at all. Right. Well I mean at this point he definitely is running away from the bear though I have to say. Yeah. So I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah, but you can
1: run away and feel like He knows he's running away from something because it's not just going to stand there. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that the thing he's running away from would have been
0: a bear. Right. Like we see that it's a bear, but maybe he didn't. (laughs) He just knows that he's running. He's like, I don't know why I'm running, but I'm running. He's like, there's definitely something large running after me. So Locke finds some polar bear fur. They're getting close. Charlie's starting to get scared. He knows that polar bears are really smart. It's true. Charlie says that he used to get high and watch documentaries about polar bears. Honestly, he's valid. He says that they're really smart and they're like the Einsteins of the bear community. I think that's an absolutely incredible line. And he says it so seriously, too. No, he means it. He's like, this is a this is a smart observation that I have made. Yeah. I'm like, if you think so, bud, if you think so. So Locke's gonna go into the polar bear cave. He covers himself in mud so the bear won't smell him. And he has hairspray and a torch for a flamethrower. Charlie agrees not to go in. So Charlie's like, listen, I'll come this far, but, like, I understand why they need Charlie narratively, because Adewale is a giant man, and Locke can't carry him himself, you no. know? So they're like, okay, well, Echo's in the cave, and Locke's like, all right, I'm gonna go in by myself, and Charlie's like, um, don't tell me what I can't do, and Locke's like, I'm sorry, do you want to come in? And Charlie's like, you know what, on second thought, no. You're <laughs> like, I'm good, thanks, actually, thanks. Let's
3: hurry up and do this. Maybe the bear's out. finishing his lunch. You're not going in there, Charlie. What? I'm going to do this alone. You don't get to tell me what I can't do. If I want to go in there, I'll go in there. Why? What? Why do you want to go in there? I don't need a reason. Then go back. Go back? You don't have a good reason to go in there either. I'm going in there because I'm supposed to go in there.
0: Um, I think Charlie just wants to do things that he's told not to do. I think he's just stubborn. Like that line was again, like the, do whatever I want to do. Yeah, I agree, and you know, it's also like he's willing to go and like do dangerous things just to prove that he's brave, even though he isn't brave. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would never, I would rather people think I'm a coward than like go and risk my life for something. You know what I mean? But Charlie is not as as selfish as Charlie is. He's I don't think he's a Slytherin. You know, like no, he, he's not. He's a stubborn Gryffindor. Yeah, he's a dumbass Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. And also that
1: that's like Charlie not wanting to be seen as a coward kind of lock as well especially like mm-hmm. in the flashback where he's very much afraid
0: of being the weakness of the group yeah mm-hmm. yeah right you're totally right Exactly. No, you're totally right because yeah. basically Locke is telling Charlie, Charlie, I'm going in because I'm a hunter and you staying here because you're a farmer. And Charlie's like, no, I'm, I'm a hunter. And Locke's like, okay. Charlie's <laughs> like, I don't understand this metaphor. Yeah. Um, So he covers himself with mud. So there isn't any human smell. And he's going to use hairspray as a flamethrower. Honestly, a genius joke of Charlie being like, I got bad news. Uh, you don't got no hair. Every time they make fun of Locke being bald, I'm just like, you know what, that's quality.
1: Yeah. So good. And like it's one of the things that's so great about Lost is like even if they're going through serious moments. They're they're doing something dangerous, mm-hmm. but they take the time, goodness, and this joke. It's so forced. It feels like something people would actually do. And I love the style on both like Locke's and Charlie's faces.
0: Exactly. I agree. And I think that like that's something that it's really important that they have in their characters from the get-go that they are, that they make jokes and that they think jokes are funny. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, Sawyer makes jokes. Charlie makes jokes. Hurley doesn't necessarily make jokes, but he says very funny things in a very innocent way. Hurley just is funny. Locke doesn't make very many jokes, but he can laugh at himself and he can laugh at jokes. Even Jack can laugh at jokes, you know, like that. They're people. Exactly, and you know, even, even Saeed sometimes makes really, like, cold jokes and everything. It, it Really dry humor. Saeed has a very dry sense of humor. And I would also, like, argue, like, It's not like there's, like, a funny one or the witty Mm -hmm. one. Because, like, if you were going to say the funny one, you'd think of Hurley. But Hurley doesn't really try to make jokes. Yeah, Charlie's the one who thinks he's funny but isn't really funny but actually kind of is funny. Yeah. Like, there's a whole range of types of humor in here that I think, like, the nuance of, like, that archetype has been dumbed down so much in modern TV that now it's like, oh, well, that's the funny one. Right. And I'm like, this isn't Friends. It's not, like, it's just Chandler. Yeah. You know? But also I think that that's something that some shows kind of is like we've said before that one of our problems with the hundred is that there aren't enough like light moments i think that you know that's what jasper was for really Mm -hmm. and you know jasper was very similar to charlie in that way um on the hundred but you know characters like clark She's very serious, especially now, you know, in season one, she wasn't as serious as she is now, but now she's very serious and it doesn't feel like she, you know, she just doesn't laugh at jokes. She doesn't think jokes are funny. And so like, they can't bring up jokes because she, you know what I mean? Well, there's no complexity to those characters anymore. Like what they think of as complexity is just relentless trauma Mm -hmm. and then There's how they respond to that trauma, but the way they respond to that trauma is usually just screaming or going, you know, dead inside. There's no um, dimension to any of it. Right. And so right now, we have, we had Dioza, who, who is really good at making jokes, and then we have Murphy, but the problem with that is that Murphy will make a joke, but he's surrounded by characters that are so serious that, that his joke doesn't, like, it lands with the audience, but it doesn't land with anybody else, and so it's, like, uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. They sit in The hundred as tried more jokes, like with Miller and Nyla. Yeah. But they also still feel so isolated. Yes. And not like a part of the story.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's like they're like doing it because like they know that they need something funny to happen. And I'm like, <sighs> just don't even try and be funny at this point. Yeah. So Charlie agrees not to go in, which is probably for the best. Yeah. As Hurley walks back to the beach, he gets intercepted by a very naked Desmond, who cl- whose clothes got blown off by the explosion. Uh, Hurley lends him a giant tie-dye shirt. You know, sometimes you just lose your clothes. He's like, sometimes your clothes get blown off. And he just keeps trying to talk to Desmond about it. Desmond's like, you want to talk about this right now? I do not blame Desmond for being frustrated. <laughs> Hurley's like, how'd you lose your clothes? Desmond's like, um, really? He's like, how about we talk about this after you give me a shirt? Exactly. Who's there?
3: you alone, brother? Uh, yeah. Whoa, dude. I'm not alone. Huge camp's right over there. Can you give me some clothes? What happened to yours? I woke up in the jungle like this. So, like, the hatch blew off your underwear?
0: Fine. You want to discuss this in great detail right now? No, right no, now, that's do it. okay. I, I got something here. I mean, like, my, my whole, like, my already, dick is out. <laughs> he's covering that part, but but his whole bare butt yeah. is just, like, out. His for dick anybody. is out, his ass is out. <laughs> he's, like, right by the beach. At any point, Claire could, like, walk up, you know? You know, put it away. Yeah. You know? And he wants to, but This is a family day. show. Put it away. <laughs> ABC Disney. <laughs> Stop. And so Hurley's like, actually, no, it's fine. I don't want to talk about it. Here's here's a shirt. And it's, like, his tie-dye shirt. And this is kind of, like, an iconic Desmond look. Like, you know, we have that, like, is. that blue shirt that gets unbuttoned, which is, like, his other iconic look. But nobody, not enough people talk about this tie-dye look. It's it's a moment.
1: It's yeah. a moment. Also, like, it's an interesting, like, character thing that, like, early carries, like, an extra shirt with him.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like, if you don't carry your stuff, it'll disappear. Yeah. <laughs> Sawyer will take it. Yeah. And, like, also, like, knowing he
1: was gonna go on the walk. Yeah. And clothes with them.
0: Yeah. I think other characters should maybe take that hint. <laughs> Ooh, Who? Kate, who always wears the exact same thing. Oh, and Kate's bra. Yeah. I worry about Kate's oh, bra. Oh god, her bra must be so dirty. Yeah. So inside the cave, Locke finds a random toy truck and continues on. That's the full scene. So he steps on a toy dump truck and no one really knows what the deal with this truck is. Like, if someone wanted to bring up an unanswered question, if someone asked me about the truck, I'd be like, you know what, that's true. I don't know where the truck came from, but also it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? Now I need to know. So Where did I, the truck come from? I looked in the theories for the truck. Did you, uh, were you going to say something, Joanna? I think, I think the thing was if the
1: truck was from the kids that were on the mm-hmm. tail of the
0: plane. Right, Zach and Emma. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. One of the theories that I really liked that I saw on Laspedia was that it was the polar bear's toy. (laughs) Oh, I like that. Like from the cages and they just like brought, I was like, I have no idea how much merit that has, but I think it's really funny. So I'm going to pretend that that's true. That's actually really cute. (laughs) Um, And there was a fun fact on Laspedia about this. It said the filming location for the polar bear cave was a lava tube on the big island of Hawaii. This is the first Hawaii location not on Oahu. Um, that's crazy. Well, yeah, that makes sense, though. Yeah, they they film exclusively on Oahu and very seldomly go to any of the other islands, and then even less seldom even less often do they go to, like, full-on America. <laughs> the mainland. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that whole scene. Uh, Locke finds a bunch of dead bodies in the cave, but he also finds Echo. He tries to drag Echo out, but the bear is there. He uses his flamethrower to get the bear to stay away from them, he and Charlie start walking Echo back to the beach. Okay, but, like, why was he literally the get a job, get away from him meme? Yeah. <laughs> Stay away from my son. Um, so one of the skeletons in the polar bear cave was wearing a shirt with a logo from the pearl. So it seems likely they were Dharma Initiative staff members. They could have been like the people who were in the pearl that we saw um, like the notebooks from and stuff. Do you think that that implies that the bear killed them? Um, so there's some spoiler thoughts on on how they may have died. But I think that that is the um, that's what they're trying to tell us right now. Okay. Is that the bear killed them. Um, I'm like that's just Ben's dumping ground. So what's, what's stopping the bear from just, like, killing Echo right now? Just saving him for later, or what? It did just, like, didn't he eat, like, a piece of the Oh, yeah, yeah, He's you're right. He's, he's not, not hungry! <laughs> <laughs> so he drags Echo out and he uses the flamethrower on the bear. And I, one of my notes was, I guess he ended up around here after the explosion, but they've been finding some of, like, Echo's belongings, like, way, way, way far out, like, closer to the beach. So I... So he must have been dragged a long way or yeah. a long way. I wonder
1: if Echo like if he was the one who left the trail for someone to follow him.
0: Oh. oh if so, that would be like a huge parallel to Charlie in season 1 when he left like his little like um, finger Oh, his bandage? Yeah, when he got stolen by Ethan. So yeah, that might be interesting as well. I like that. Like I said, this kind of whole thing with Echo and the Bear this episode has always been really like not clear at all. So that could definitely be true. And I I would not know. Yep. So Desmond tells Hurley what happened to him in the hatch and about the failsafe key, which is basically just more summarizing about last season. Hurley is worried about his friends, but Desmond says it's okay. Locke will go after them. He said so. Hurley's like, uh, no, he didn't. And Desmond's like, oops, my bad, never mind, I guess. It's just foreshadowing, don't worry about it. So I really love this this scene because Desmond's basically telling Hurley what happened and Hurley is being like, basically just what, I guess, the writers heard the audience say after last season. He says, well, that's convenient. Oh, yeah. And if you had the key the whole time, why didn't you use it? You know, he's basically just saying what, I guess, the audience said while watching season two it's and literally the writer it. saying shut up about it yeah um and so he says i didn't know what it did so that's why i didn't use it um i i love this because basically somebody could have i know that you know twitter wasn't really as much of a thing at this point but you know if they had tweeted damon and been like well if he had the key the whole time why didn't he use it and damon could tweet back and be like he didn't know what it did why would he do that Instead, he put it in the show, which I thought was great. Which, and I like more. Stop explaining the plots to your shows on Twitter. Yeah. Stop it. (laughs) Uh,
1: Evil you know, or like... The devil you know. They do what you don't know and have no idea what could happen. You guys...
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I was going to say, like, you guys have talked about, like, how that man is a little bit of a coward, so, like, it makes sense for him to opt on the safe option that he knows what's going to happen. Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And, um, I agree with you, Brittany, that I like them doing it in show as well, because, you know, they're, like, not every person who watches a show is, like, a diehard fan, you know? Yeah. If you're watching something and you don't understand something watching the show and you have to go on Twitter to get the answers to what that happened, like... A lot of people don't do that because they don't care, so they just let it be confusing. You know, you have to answer your questions in the show, or else it's like, a failure of writing. People just won't know. Yeah, it's it's a massive failure that I think a few showrunners suffer from. Yeah. Um. If if your audience is asking questions and you need to answer it on Twitter, you've you failed. Yeah. Like you you need to fix that in canon. Also, if the way
1: people answer on Twitter is like a quick answer. Without no mm-hmm. thought behind it. Like, it makes things in canon sound worse. And make characters in canon not make sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, Inconsistent. It's, like, even worse. Like, don't answer
0: if you, have, if you only have a bad answer. Yeah. Exactly. True. And that's what I love about this, too. Is that, you know, Damon and Carlton... Well, Carlton helped write this episode. So potentially, you know, just him. But I like that they were like, Okay, people were asking these questions. And therefore, we messed up. So... Now let's make it clear to everybody who was asking that question. Exactly. So Hurley thinks that Desmond's going to get superpowers, and it kind of feels like maybe we're, we're leaning towards that. I think he's right. Basically just says that the island went crazy, and Kate, Jack, and Sawyer got taken.
3: So is that what made the, the blender noise and the sky turn purple? I'm not afraid I missed that, brother. Right, you were fail-saving. Well, FYI, the whole island vibrated. And Kate and Jack and Sawyer saw too right before they had bags pulled over their heads. Don't worry. Lock's gonna go after them, he said so in his speech. What? What speech? All he said was gonna save Echo and kill bears.
0: Desmond says that Lock is going to go after them and that he said so in his speech, but he hasn't made the speech yet. Obviously, and Hurley thinks that. He's talking about the speech when he was talking to Hurley earlier, where, in which Desmond wasn't even there, and it certainly wasn't a speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's all that Hurley can make, make sense, so. They continue to walk Echo back to the beach. Locke is pretty proud of himself for defeating the polar bear. He tells Charlie about the vision he had in the sweat lodge. He had to clean up his own mess and he did. So Locke is like, hey, I did a heckin' cool thing. So that was dope. And Charlie wants to know what Locke saw in the sweat lodge. And Locke tells him the truth. Yeah, which I think is interesting. Which is um, kind of weird for Locke. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, sure. he's fun and fresh. You know, if- like Charlie doesn't ask earlier and I wonder if he had asked earlier if Locke wouldn't have told him but now that Locke kind of like did what the island wanted him to do now he's willing to just like say so. Yeah like once he like I kind of wonder if he just didn't want to say anything because he didn't want to speak without like having all the information but it's Locke so I suspect it was that um he wanted it to be a secret until he decided for it not to be a secret. Right. And I wonder if, you know, Locke last season, he made some big um, leaps of faith, if you will. He sure did. And he kind of just like made some assumptions and that went very, very poorly for him. And so now that this happened, I wonder if he's thinking, like, here I am making this assumption and I don't want to tell anybody about it until I'm sure that my assumption was right. And now I can be like, haha, my assumption was right. Yep. And his assumptions, like, had a body count. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. M- multiple times. If Locke uh, says what he, the Vision
1: told him and he can't do it, it feels more like not just a failure to him.
0: Yeah. And. Yep. Right. He's like, yeah. No, yeah, nobody has to know.
1: And I also think he may have been trying to make amends with Charlie. Mm-hmm. Which, like, being honest with him is a good place to start. Right. Charlie's
0: constantly be- being lied to. Yeah. Plus, it's a great way to keep Charlie on the hook and mm. Charlie with him by, like, doling out certain answers so that Charlie knows if he sticks with it long enough, he might get something. Yeah. So, Locke at this point, like, kind of believes that Boone was kind of like a mouthpiece for the island. Like, I don't know if Locke really did believe that it was Boone. Perhaps he was, you know, thinking it was Boone just so that Um, he could apologize to him just to make himself feel better, you know? I think even if it wasn't Boone, he would be able to, like, look at the vision of Boone and feel catharsis being able to apologize to him, even if he doesn't think that he's actually apologizing to Boone, if that makes sense. So he has to clean up his own mess, and it was his fault that the hatch blew up and I guess... His fault M-A-T. that Echo was in trouble, and so Charlie says that he must have cleaned up a bunch of messes in his time, which of course cuts back to the flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie and Locke hear running water. Charlie goes off to get water for Echo, and Locke stays with him. Locke says that he's sorry, and if he hadn't been worried about the button, he could have saved Jack and co. Echo has awoken to tell him that it's not too late, but when Charlie returns, it seems that Echo was never awake at all. So you have spoiler thoughts, actually, thoughts on this one. Yeah, I have a few spoiler thoughts, Um, but one of my main things is like if Echo was actually awake like if he was awake then perhaps like you know another like mouthpiece for the island in which like he like woke up said the thing that Locke needed to hear and then went back to sleep like magically because it wasn't really Echo who was saying those things Mm -hmm. because you know he did say something that was really important to Locke's past and really meaningful to Locke in the way that he said it you know and so that kind of like implies that it wasn't necessarily Echo saying that because Locke never told Echo about that
3: I messed up. Now our people are captured and... If I'd just listen to you, if I'd, if I'd just let you keep pushing the button... I could have gone with them. Protected them. I could have saved them. You can still protect them. And still saved I, I don't even know where they are you will find them after all you are a hunter
0: john and like why would echo say anything like that like that's not any any kind of sentiment that was previously established as being in Echo's vernacular. Like, right. Why would you randomly call someone a hunter? Uh Or was it just like a vision because Locke's drugs were still wearing off? Like, that's the main question. That could also be it.
1: Yeah. Um, I also think think it's interesting that Locke decides to apologize Mm -hmm. when he thinks Echo is asleep.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. He doesn't apologize to Echo's face when he's awake. You're right.
1: Yeah. He decides to do all this, like, which was supposed to be a monologue, Monologue Big Was Asleep.
0: Yeah. Yep. Didn't even think about that. So Atawali is huge, and they must have been absolutely exhausted carrying him. Um, So I don't think that was acting, them, like, being like, (gasps) Yep. (sighs) So Locke apologizes for giving up on Faith, because they were both, we've said multiple times, both of them are extreme men of Faith. Men of Faith, yeah. They're, like, the two beacons of men of Faith in this show. And he says that he could have protected them if he wasn't um, hung up on doing the wrong thing. Um, Echo says that he still can. You can find them. You're a hunter. um, And this is just, like, a fact to Echo, if it is Echo, it's just like a fact to him because obviously John, you know, is a hunter, hunts all of the boar and stuff, mm-hmm. but it means more to John based on the flashbacks. Yeah. Honestly, it was convenient symbolism. Yeah. And we're not sure if that was really Echo or not um, because he falls pretty much immediately back to sleep and I don't know if that's wake up, say some things, fall back asleep or if it was just, you know, Echo was asleep the whole time and Locke just imagined it. Yeah. All right. so last scene in this storyline. Locke gets back to the beach with Charlie and Echo and needs everyone's help to save him. Hurley reveals what happened at the docks and everyone is worried. We get to meet Nikki and Paolo, which I am thrilled about. Locke announces that he's going to go and save them all, which is weird because that's what Desmond said. Isn't that just such a weird coincidence? So we have Claire doing laundry and we get our first look at Nikki and Paolo. Um, And there was a fun fact on Lostpedia about this that I am so glad that was cut out. Uh, There was a deleted scene. Um, Although it did not happen in the episode, the plot synopsis from the initial press release stated that Claire is shocked to find Nikki and Paolo in Jack's tent. This can be seen on the season three DVD set as a deleted scene called Introducing Nikki and Paolo. Apparently, the, they were introducing Nikki and Paolo by just, like, finding, having Claire walk in on them, doing it in Jack's tent. <gasps> Thank God they cut that out. Ew, because I hate that. Also, like, I've got to say, like, once we learn more about Nikki and Paolo, that doesn't really make a lot of sense for their relationship. So it's good that they cut that out because they're, like, not on the best terms right now. Yeah, that's, um, that was a choice. Yeah. And I I read that their introduction
1: is very much like they've there's no clear introduction it's very much they've
0: like they've always been there right and that's the point for sure yeah yeah exactly like Locke knows their name already um you know and Nikki knows Jack's name and everything yeah I agree they they're really trying to just insert them in here which is. Like that episode or like that scene with um, Desmond and how that's like a little bit of fan service because they're just like kind of explaining some things that fans had questions about. Fans requested that they bring in characters who are just like background characters. Yeah. The people that are actually like affected by the decisions that everyone else is making. And that's what Nikki and Paolo are. And, you know, they get their own episode later this season. And it's one of my favorite episodes, probably in my top 10. So I'm really excited yeah. to talk about that one. Mine too. Yeah. It's so good. I hate that people hate on it yeah. because the the storyline
1: in it is so good. And then like on the next gen I watched Lower Decks not that long ago. I love Lower Decks. It's and it makes me want like every show to do an episode an episode. Like every show that's like like as a group like that. Yeah. About the characters were like background and just seeing how other actions affect them.
0: Exactly, like the people who are affected by the main characters. Yeah. Right, so if you say that you like Lower Decks but you don't like Exposé, you're a hypocrite! <gasps> and the other way around. Um. So Hurley is here now. I don't know how long he's been there for, but he tells everybody stuff, and Nikki's like, hey, what the heck, uh, how long were you here before you even said anything? Don't worry about it. <laughs> um. And they talk about how Sut and Jin and Saeed, if they're okay, and we don't know... Um, Locke says he's going to go find them and bring them back, and it was just like Desmond said, but it's weird because Desmond isn't even listening to the speech. Yeah, that was my problem too. So, like, did he just hear about it later? Like, I don't know. Um, So Locke assigns jobs to everyone, which kind of reminded me of um, the beginning of season one when Saeed and everybody show up from the thing that they did in the second half of the pilot, and he kind of goes, okay, you're doing water, you're doing this, you're doing that. Yeah. Um, He tells Claire to do first aid, um, and... Like, or get the first aid kit or whatever. And she is the one who, like, went to the staff. I don't think that he's telling her to go to the staff, like, the Dharma station mm-hmm. staff or anything. But um, Claire kind of reminds me of first aid in that way that, you know, she's supposed to be, like, motherly. But also, you know, she's been to the hospital station several times. Yeah, so. she actually has the knowledge that they need. Um, however, Car- Charlie does call it a speech to... Hurley and Hurley says that it he got deja vu and in my experience deja vu is when you like are experiencing something and looking at something that complete that feels like you've been there before. I don't think that deja vu is just like hearing about something and then having it happen. Um, you are correct. Yeah. So that I was like, I don't know if it was deja vu, but sure. Okay. But like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen, he wouldn't know how else to describe it. Yeah. And so Desmond's just like throwing rocks. <laughs> like he might be skipping rocks but it kind of looks like he's just throwing them listen he's busy he's had a hard day yeah so that's that um do you guys have any other island thoughts before we move on to the flashbacks uh no no i don't think so all right so before we move on to flashbacks we're going to talk a little bit about patreon Brittany, wants patreon um patreon is a service where you can donate monthly to your favorite creators tell me more so like if we're one of your favorite creators which would be Super cool, just like for the record. Um, you can subscribe to our Patreon starting at a dollar a month and start receiving perks immediately, like early access to the pod mm-hmm. by at least a day because Robin is a very fast editor. Like, it's actually sort of supernatural at this point. Zoom, zoom. And um, e- once a year, we also send out, one- thank you, the word postcard, not in my brain, to um, every of ev- <sighs> Do you want to take over for me? Yeah, thank you. We also send um, postcards every year for our anniversary. This year is going to be our fourth anniversary. That's crazy. Um, And we also hit a milestone on our Patreon, which um, means that we are also going to send out some really cool stuff like uh, stickers and some other stationary things. So you guys are definitely going to want to join the Patreon before November to um, get access to that. Um, Also, if you help with... $5 $5 or more, you get 10% off at shopylooks.com. And Brittany- Hey, that's me. Makes cool stuff there. Um, she does some really awesome resin art, and I do fandom embroidery. I currently have two lost designs, which is John Locke and- whoa, that's relevant to this interview. And also the Dharma Initiative Station. So if you want to check that out, you can. Even if you don't have the 10% off, uh, you can help us out. And also get something really cool out of it. So that's pretty dope yeah basically you get stuff but if you can't it's totally okay the next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend i feel like joanna listens to every single one of our podcasts and so she's probably really tired of hearing our patreon spiel but just know we do it we do it live every single time (laughs) it's It's true we do we do not pre-record it it's a little different every time
1: yeah i remember being surprised like the first time i came on for the long con that you guys Mm -hmm. like did it every time yeah
0: Every single time. <laughs> we we do it live every time because we don't want it to sound fake. Yeah, we want it to be different. Every single time. Yes. And sometimes we have stuff to add too and so I don't wanna mm-hmm. like have to like re record the whole thing just in case I have something to add. I, I don't, don't know. It doesn't take that long.
1: And I can also say like I just got like this week this past week, like my shop deluxe and I barely orders and they're amazing and Yay! everyone should check out her because like everything like looks so beautiful and so perfect
0: thank, oh, thank you. you i'm planning on doing some more lost design so if anybody has any like um any suggestions please get a hold of me and all of our links are in the description if you want to go and check that out just saying i think you know
1: my suggestion, suggestion <laughs> would be It's like, it's a minor character again, and not one of the main ones.
0: Yes. Uh, All right, let's do it. So we're going to do flashbacks now. Um, Here we go. So... On a rainy afternoon, Locke picks up a hitchhiker. He can't take him the whole way to his destination, but he can take him part of the way. The hitchhiker's name is Eddie. He is looking for work. The rain lets up, and Locke gets pulled over. He has guns in the back of his truck, but it's okay because he has all the paperwork. The cop tries to get him for picking up a hitchhiker, but Eddie lies and says that Locke is his uncle, so the cop lets them go. I just want to say, for the record, these flashbacks are dumb. They're like not, yeah. Like I said before, they they just don't really like click in with literally any other lock flashbacks, like most of his other flashbacks do. So they're kind of like random. Um, I think there is some really cool like character work in them, um, but I don't. I'm not really sure what the point of them is. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Joanna? I think because like they end up
1: having no like consequence. Yeah they don't like they don't seem to like fit so well with other sides of lock.
0: Yeah I feel like they just serve to like demonstrate to us once again that lock has an inferiority complex and it's like but one we already knew that and two there were way more like subtler routes to tell us. Yeah yeah these are probably I would say my least favorite lock probably my least favorite lock flashback but uh that's still saying something because I still like enjoy watching the episode, so. Yeah, um, so basically Eddie knew that John was coming and he knew that he would pick them up um, because of some of the reasons that he lists later in the episode and also because jo- uh, Locke is just, like, a nice guy. Yep. So he says that he had to get out of where he came from and he's going to do anything to make money because he knows that John will give him a job because, um, especially because, you know, he says that he has really bad parents and Locke also has bad parents and knows... You know, that he wanted a family. He's pulling every one of those heartstrings. Yeah, and so Locke sees himself in Eddie and helps him, basically. Yeah. it w- He played him like a fiddle. Mm-hmm. Um, I also realized that the police car is also probably a setup. I think, Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah, I think that the police car is to show that Eddie is trustworthy and willing to break the law. Yeah. To Locke. And willing to lie. Yeah, so he's going to keep secrets. Mm-hmm.
3: Can I see your license and registration, please? Was I speeding officer? Tail lights out. Do you both please step out of the vehicle? What do you got back here? Guns and groceries. Now the, the transaction logs and the paperwork for all of them is in the red notebook right there in that duffel. So are we free to go? I can still take you in for picking up a hitchhiker. But that's my uncle. They called me pick me up.
0: So he has paperwork for all of the guns, and on the paperwork it says that his name is Jonathan Locke. Um, and it's not usually how you spell Jonathan. It has an H in it. Oh, weird! Which is really like weird. Uh, so I thought that was kind of weird. But um, it also said that he didn't have any middle name stated. Um, and it said on the paperwork. I'm putting way too much thought into this. But mm-hmm. on the paperwork, it said if there is if he doesn't have a middle name, he needed to put N M N. And it didn't say anything. And so I'm like, so do you have a middle name or not? <laughs> he just didn't want to disclose it. You know? Like, what's happening here? It says that he currently lives in San Francisco and that his birthday is November 15th. Wait, that was supposed to be San Francisco? No, he he. it says that, well, I don't know if he currently lives in San Francisco, but that's like where his license. Like, but like, this is yeah. supposed to be like somewhere outside San Francisco? It was like current address. But I don't know if, like, that's where he's living or, like, if he has another apartment in San Francisco. Maybe. Because he lives now, like, in Island Time. He lived in Tustin, California. Right. And I think... Did we see the flashback where he sees... Nadia yet? I feel like we have. Yes, we have, because I remember talking about how he assumes that she has a husband. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. That, at that point, he's uh, he's also in Tustin. And I think he like goes home to Helen, I think, right? Yeah. So, I checked on Lostpedia, checked the timelines. All of this flashback happens after Helen. After Anthony Cooper messes him up. Um, after Helen rejects his proposal. That makes cetera. perfect sense. He was looking for a new place to belong. Yeah. So he must have moved from Tustin to San Francisco and then back to Tustin before he leaves because... Yeah, like, he blows his opportunity here, so he just goes back. Yeah, and also I think that, you know, there's a lot of time in between those because we still haven't seen um, how he got into the wheelchair yet, which was four years ago from the plane crash. So um, that makes sense that there's lots of years in between those times when he's, like, moving around. California. Yeah, it's like,
1: basically demonstrates that he never really found a home. Like, it being time between the uh, this flashback and the present also makes sense, because if you're saying he was from Tucson, and then with Ellen and Anthony Cooper, Mm -hmm. and he ended up in this commune, Mm -hmm. and, like, if he knows that the cops have his name associated with a criminal happenings or whatever. Yes. Like, it didn't make sense for him to immediately go back to the place where he used to live at.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Totally. Um, So his birthday is November 15th. Oh, all right. Um, 1946. And it says that he's 5'10". So I'm about the same height as him. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, On Lostpedia, it said that the address is listed as 25164. So that's two of the numbers which is 25164. Uh Franklin Street, San Francisco, California. This is a non-existent address. Franklin Street in San Francisco only goes up to 3199. Also the zip code is listed as 94 94- 099. This is also not a valid zip code. <laughs> I love that. I love little details like that. Yeah. Then he might try and take him in for hitchhiking, but on Lostpedia it said, in Locke's flashback, the sheriff threatens to arrest him for picking up a hitchhiker. However, hitchhiking is not illegal in California. It's not? I guess not. Yeah, but not all people know the law either. So are we in California? Yes. Okay. I just, think it's just, like, outside he, was look- of Sanford. he was looking for something to intimidate Locke with. Gotcha. So Eddie says that it's his uncle, um, and I was thinking, like, not that this guy isn't a real cop, but, like, somebody who was actually trying to do their job, would he ask, would he not ask more questions, you know? Like, if he really thought it was a hitchhiker, would he not be like, okay, what's your uncle's last name? I mean, you know, like, what does your uncle, like, what does it say your uncle's address is? Or, like, where does your uncle live? Or whatever, yeah. you know? I'm sitting here like that's not a cop's business, but like you're right, they would have asked that. Yeah. So um that's another reason why I think that that this cop is a plant as well. Yeah. Cuz he only introduced himself with his first name. He just said, "Hi, I'm John." Yep. Um and then he's also wearing a Geronimo Jackson shirt, which we'll talk about soon. Basically, Geronimo Jackson, I've talked about it before, is a um is a fictional band that they made up for Lost. So if you ever see anything about Geronimo Jackson in a different property it is a lost reference because they made it up and um so he's wearing a geronimo jackson shirt we saw in the hatch hurley and charlie listening to a geronimo jackson record i think that's the last time we heard about geronimo jackson uh-huh. does it appear yeah. in other media i i know for a fact that apollo bars do constantly um i can't name a time when geronimo jackson has shown up off the top of my head okay but i'm pretty sure it's happened okay So, Locke brings Eddie to a farming compound that he's been living in. They're having dinner around a large table. Locke introduces Eddie to everyone and Eddie is very appreciative. So, firstly, he brings jelly beans to Bobby and they talk about the sweat lodge that they have in which you just meditate inside and figure out if you're a farmer or a hunter. And Eddie says, which one are you? And John just, like, smiles, right? He's like, haha, that's for later in the episode, buddy. (laughs) I guess, like, he's a hunter, Or at least he thinks so, or he wants to be. He wants to be. Yeah. Like, Locke spends his entire life wishing he was someone he wasn't. Mm -hmm. So we meet Mike and Jan and everyone else at the table, and they say any friend of John's is a friend of ours, and I I wrote in here after, like, before I looked at the timeline and everything, I'm not really sure what point of John's life this is, because it's never brought up again, so Mm -hmm. it's hard to, like, place it somewhere. He's wearing a Geronimo Jackson shirt, like I said, and Mike compliments it on him, or compliments him on it. And he says that it was his dad's. And then Mike says that your dad had excellent has excellent taste. But he said that his dad was a drunk and that he hates his dad. So was the thing about his dad even true? Probably is it, not. Is it his dad's shirt? Like I just don't know. It was probably all made up. It's hard when you know for a fact that this character is like completely fabricating. Well, but, this life. but he also observes later that everyone there has daddy issues. So he brought up his dad strategically in order to ingratiate himself with them by, like, bringing up something that, like, he believes is a commonality. Right, yeah. Later he talks about, like, the psych evaluation or something. And I'm not really sure where he got Locke's psych evaluation. Yeah. Because he definitely hasn't been in the hospital for his, like, big accident yet. So, yeah. I also, like, wonder if him
1: wearing the shirt. Could have been related, for example, them having information on Mike being a fan of the band, like knowing he had been to concerts and stuff. Yeah. Oh, sure, right. Oh, sure, yeah. And That's then they were like, so
0: smart, yeah. Trying to get Mike to like him because yeah. he's like one of the main masterminds. Yeah, you're right. Because, like,
1: wearing a shirt with some, like, a way to start a conversation if someone is wearing a shirt of something we, you like. Yeah. So that would be a smart way for to him, mm-hmm. to create, to not only him create a connection with John, but also with Mike from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. So John says grace, and he says that Adam is always complaining about the drought, so a <laughs> classic Adam. <laughs> Adam. Typical Adam.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the food and the friends, and thanks for the rain today, so that Adam will stop grumbling about the droughts. <laughs> And for me thank you for helping me stop being so angry and and for helping me find a real family Uh, because they're a hell of a lot better than the one i used to have so let's eat amen amen Amen. Amen. let's
0: dig in uh thank you thank you he says thanks for you know, bringing him this family and stopping him from being so angry. And so I was like, oh, this must be after Helen. Lostpedia says that it is 1997 mm-hmm. um, when this was happening. And Lostpedia said that Helen left Locke in 1996. So this was about a year after Helen. Okay. And he says that this is his new family and it's better than the one that he used to have, which I'm inclined to agree. Because I think he's talking about Anthony and Emily, his his parents. The bar is on the floor. Truly. And then Eddie is just super appreciative to be here. He looks very, very appreciative. He says, thank you very, very much. And uh, it kind of sucks when you know that it's all a lie. Everything, like, Locke has just never belonged anywhere. Mm -hmm. And the reason why Locke invited him is because he relates to having a garbage family and needing to, like, get out and find a new family. And so that's what he, you know, is inviting him to do. Yep. And so it sucks to know that he's lying about it all.
1: Exactly. I I have forgotten it was a lie. Like, I knew mm-hmm. there was something involving with the cops, but, like, I thought Eddie was going to be arrested. I not remember that it was a lie. So it's just, like, I was really appreciating Eddie's and, like, uh, Locke's connection.
0: Yeah. yeah. Neither did Brittany, I could tell, because we were watching it together, and... <laughs> it was shocking! <laughs> yeah. I remembered nothing about this episode. Yeah. None uh and um so it was fun to watch her and and you know she kept bringing up stuff about eddie and i'd be like uh-huh yep be like yeah for sure bud <laughs> i feel like for a while i like thought that this kid was being was played by aaron paul yeah. from breaking bad for like a while and like every time i rewatched it for the first like three times i feel like every time i watch it i'd be like oh that's not aaron paul and then i would just remember it as aaron paul later like your brain like couldn't handle it yeah that'd
1: be like Tell you a story because like I remember, and that's why like you told me when you asked me what episode I wanted to be in, mm-hmm. you gave me like three episodes that were still free, and yeah. I remember this one because I had been watching this episode like in the living room. where sure it was Aaron Paul. Yeah, and my dad has watching has watched Breaking Bad. So I asked them, and my dad was like, "No, it's not," and like I was arguing with my dad about this, and then. <laughs> And then I remember at the end of the episode, I went to Wikipedia and I, my dad was right, I will <laughs> and it's Jimmy from Shameless. That's where I knew the guy from.
0: Oh, um. okay, so definitely some, like, someone Aaron Paul adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so six weeks later, Eddie and Locke joke around together. Eddie sees the greenhouse that he's not allowed in and asks about it. He still isn't trusted enough. He wants to know what's going on in there, and Locke says that he'll ask. So, yeah, it's been six weeks, and they talk about Lizzie, who is half of Locke's age, and Eddie makes, like, a weird daddy joke, and everyone's really uncomfy. I don't really know, like, why that was written, because that's, like, one of the only times that I've actively watched Lost and been like, um, I don't know about that one. It was just kind of like, why did you... Do that. Yeah. And so Locke's literally like, hey, I didn't think that was funny. And Eddie, you know, immediately apologizes because he has to make sure that he's always on Locke's good side. But it's also a good demonstration of like, because he's undercover, he's trying to feel out like what topics he can still explore with Locke to ingratiate himself to him. Yeah. So, like, by making that slip up, he learned more information about everyone there. That's true. So they grab baskets to start picking fruit, and Eddie says, you never talk about your dad. And it's, like, a weird jump to get to, but, like, sure. Like, if he wanted to talk about his dad, he's like, I know, I'll make a daddy joke. (laughs) Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and then he's like, then I can talk about dad. They did say he was fresh out of the academy. That's true. Um, And so he asks about the greenhouse, and everyone's really cagey about it. He's upset that he still is not trusted after six weeks. He says that he remembers that Locke had guns in the back of his truck when they first came. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's really just, like, a Locke thing. Like, I don't think they, like, they don't, we don't see people with guns. Yeah, is Locke thing. supposed to be, like, the security or something? I don't know. Or, like, I think that Locke kind of just has guns because he, like, goes, he used to go hunting with Anthony and everything. You know? Oh, and so... because he's a hunter. Yeah. In his hood. Yeah. And so Locke's like, hey, we welcomed you here, so, like, why are you being so nosy? And he says that there's too many secrets. What made him decide that today was the day to bring it up? Frustration, Like, like you've been waiting for six weeks and now today's the day that you're, like, let me in? Maybe. Or, like, he was getting messages from, like, his superiors that he needed to speed it up. Right. Yeah. Who's to say? Yeah. So he says that he wants in what they're trying to blow up. I can't tell exactly what he- like, does he think it's a bomb or is he- He using might like think a, they're a terrorist group. And he's like, and he wants in? I guess. I don't- either way, Locke laughs and, um- Is he saying blow up or grow up? I think he says, I want in on whatever you're trying to blow up. Like, if that were now, I'd say, like, or is he trying to say grow up? I've never heard that. Either way, Locke laughs, so that's why I think that it's blow up, and then he's like, what? Yeah. Okay, yeah, here, let point. me look it up.
1: Let me look it up. If it's, like, if, if he knows, if, if that is, it's drugs, but he uses blo- if yet to Locke, that's, like, if this person is okay with blowing up something, it's probably
0: okay with... Yeah. Yeah, I just checked and it is blow up. Whatever you guys are trying to blow up. And and I can't my tell main if it's goal like is to blow up and, and then, then act like, like I, I don't know, know nobody. nobody. But my like I'm just wondering if it's like the like a way of speaking in like you would say that like if we get like so for example, if you know, if you make it big. Yeah. Well, no, well, I mean like um if somebody has like a big secret and you like go in and you get the thing and then tell everybody, then you're like blowing it up. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I wonder if that's what he means. Like, I'm just not sure.
1: Maybe. But isn't, like, fertilizer used to make homemade own- bombs?
0: Yes. Okay, well, then that must be it, because he talks about, like, seeing all the fertilizer going in there. So he ju- he thinks they're making bombs. Yeah, he probably does think they're making bombs. And he walks in. I don't get that, but okay. Um. So, so Locke laughs, and I just wanted to say that Terry has such a beautiful smile. It's true, he does. He really does um and he says that he'll talk with mike and jan about it even though he knows that's not what it is
1: so weird also like if eddie and the people he's working for it was bombs and like a terrorist cell and then they find out it's like weird they may have not rested lock because they
0: decided they have bigger things to yeah to follow yeah right low hanging fruit mm-hmm. that's a good point yeah So Locke goes into the secret greenhouse to find that Mike and Jan are really heckin' mad at him. They've been growing marijuana illegally in there, and it turns out that Eddie has been an undercover cop this entire time. This is Locke's fault, and he promises to fix it. So the guy lets Locke in, um, even though they're mad at him, and they talk about how John really screwed up. Um, They're obviously making a bunch of pot. He's a cop with the Humboldt County Sheriff's Department. He was fresh out of the academy, um, and his employee number on, like, the paper that they give is... 84023. So that's some more. It sure is a bunch of numbers. Locke truly cannot believe that he was manipulated. Like he's incredulous. And it's upsetting for him because he's not even safe here. You know, he no. thought he was safe from being manipulated and controlled, especially by Emily and by Anthony. Like mm-hmm. he got so tricked out of out of his actual kidney. Yep. And now here he is just thinking he's safe here with his new family and he's just still getting tricked. Poor Locke. And manipulated and taken advantage of. His whole life is such a tragedy. It really is. And now his entire family is turning on him because he was a nice guy by accident. Yep. And it like, it also teaches him there was no loyalty within that quote unquote family in the first place. Right. It was all about the money. Yeah.
1: And like, it wasn't just like, John's fault, like, everyone in the commune, in the group, like, he had been there for six weeks. It's not like- mm-hmm. Exactly. It was one day everyone else suggested that Eddie went his own way and wherever he was going, to Eureka,
0: Like, he asked, uh, the other people accepted him. Mm -hmm. That's a very fair point. Yeah. And so Locke says it might not be too late because he hasn't even been in here yet, so we can still fix this. Um, However, Locke was genuinely coming in to ask them if Eddie could come in. How did they find out he was a cop? Did- I wonder if they just, like, had a feeling and then looked him up or something? They probably have someone gathering intel. Right. Um, so Locke promises to fix it and he's cleaning up his own mess, like, is the theme of the episode. As per usual. So Locke is out hunting for food with Eddie. He tells him- see, here you go, here's your guns. These are your guns. Yep. He tells him that he can be brought into the greenhouse thing. Locke pulls his gun on Eddie and asks him why he was chosen to be manipulated. Eddie says that he was supposed to be easily tricked. Locke gets upset and threatens to shoot Eddie, but Eddie is confident that he won't do it and he just walks away. I guess. So this is Locke trying to clean up his own mess and I guess it just full on doesn't work. And he tells him that he's going to be invited to this greenhouse, so he's like, yay. He points a gun at him and Eddie is like, trying to bring his own gun up to shoot, like, to or to point it at Locke as well, but Locke didn't didn't load that one. Which was clever. Yeah. And it, it reminded me of last season when Jack didn't load Michael's gun. Oh, yeah! they were on their way. Oh, this was a really cool fun fact from <coughs> Lostpedia. It, it appears when holding Eddie at gunpoint, Locke is using the same rifle that Danielle Russo uses on the island. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that Locke says, hey, I didn't load that gun, and Eddie just, like, takes his word for it and, like, doesn't check. Like, (laughs) oh my god, what a crappy cop! (laughs) Like, Locke could have been like, I didn't load that one, and Eddie could have, like, protected himself, but he just, like, put it down. (laughs) It's just like, do that thing that people do in TV where you use it as a weapon anyway. That's my favorite thing.
3: (laughs) What are you doing? Did you know it would be me? What? In the truck? Did you know it would be me driving? Did they choose me? They, John? I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't load that one. So how about you just answer the question, Eddie? Yeah. They chose you, John. (sighs) Why? Because you hadn't been here long, didn't have a criminal record, and the psych profile said you would be amenable for coercion. Uh, Amenable for coercion? Hey. Lower the gun, John. Okay? This isn't personal. What's not personal? Stop. Stop. I'm sorry, John, but you're not going to shoot me. You're not a murderer, you're a good man. You're a farmer. Nope, not a farmer. I was a hunter. I'm a hunter. I'm gonna walk away now, John.
0: He asks if they knew it would be him, and he said yes, and the reason why they chose him was because he was new to the compound, and he had no criminal record, first of all, so he, you know, basically they didn't want to, like, take him down for being a good guy, you know, because they would be able, if he went to court, they would have been able to say he was new to the compound, he had no criminal record, and he was nice enough to, like, bring someone in who just, like, wanted a family. You know, they could have brought in... Eddie, as, like, a character witness, even, yeah. and he probably, if he did go to court, could have, like, gotten off on very low things. Like, he was a patsy. Um, especially if he was, you know, at some point, Eddie could have been, like, help me take them down, and then Locke could have become, like... A mole. Like a mole. Yeah. Uh, and they also said that he was amenable for coercion, which means that he would be easily persuaded or fooled. That one's so sad. That one hurts. Um, and he says that that was according to his psych profile. I don't know where... They probably pro- profiled him by watching him. Sure. Oh, okay, sure. So then he starts using his big boy voice because he's from the Academy. And he, so instead of just like talking to him, he goes, okay, John. Yeah. Put down the gun, John. You it's know? so condescending. Yeah. Which, But it's like, that's what he learned, right? He hadn't been using that up until now. Yeah. Now he's like, okay, I'm cop boy now. Cop boy. <laughs> And he doesn't believe that John will shoot him, so he's just going to walk away. And he's right. Yep, he won't do it. He says that Locke is a farmer, not a hunter. And Locke says no, that he is a hunter, but his actions speak for him. He, you know, he 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 doesn't have to insist it. Yeah, he's not going to kill him. But it's such, and so he just walks away. It's such to take Mm -hmm.
1: to just turn your back, just like
0: yeah. Oh, for sure, full on turn your back. I agree. And I think that, like, thank God Locke didn't do it because he's already going to get off really well because of all of the reasons that I just listed. Yeah. But also, but if he, like, tried to kill him, then it would be, like, attempted assault on police officer or, like, manslaughter of a police officer or whatever, you know? And then, so it would have gotten way, way, way worse if he yep. had shot that gun. Plus, he legally owned the guns. Yeah. And he technically wasn't part of the business operations of the pot farm. So. Yeah. I would guess in exchange for those two, they just let Locke off.
1: Yeah. Like, we don't know anything that happened following, like, yeah. if Mike and Jan... Yeah, they could have gotten away, right? If Eddie was quick enough to call other people to the com- compound. Like, we don't know anything that happened.
0: That's a good point. I'm gonna go on Mike and Jan's Lostpedia pages and see if there's any... I love that they have lost media pages. The amount of mics on Lost is ridiculous. <laughs> this guy's name is Mike. In parentheses, further instructions because there are so many. Different oh my mics. god! There is nothing on Mike on Mike's Lost media page. But let me search Jan. Nope, nothing. Not even any fun facts. I don't know. Can't give you anything. Well, all right. On Lostpedia, it said that Eddie tells Locke that he won't shoot him. This is reminiscent of last episode when Colleen told Sun that she's not a murderer. However, Locke does not shoot Eddie here, although Sun did shoot Colleen. Last episode. Son's a hunter. Sun's a hunter. <laughs> and then lastly, there was a scene deleted from the episode in Locke's flashback after his confrontation with Eddie in the forest. Um, Locke returns to the commune to find the final stages of a police raid. (gasps) Mike, Jan, and the other members have all been arrested. As Locke peers at the scene from the edge of the forest, Eddie looks toward him but is not clear if he is spotted. Locke turns and escapes into the forest. Okay, so that's why Locke was never arrested. But that's a deleted scene, so who knows. I, I consider that canon, if you do. Um, it depends just because like, for example, when we were talking about the Nikki and Paolo deleted scene, um, later when they, like, as they're learning who Nikki and Paolo are and their relationship, like that deleted scene doesn't really make sense for their characters. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, it depends on the deleted scene, but yeah, you're right. Since we have no reason to believe that this could not have happened. Yeah. We can, I I would take this as canon. Yeah. Nothing in canon contradicts it. Yeah. So yeah, I guess they were arrested, uh, but not Locke. And sorry, did that say why Locke was out? Out? Like, why he wasn't at the camp that day? Oh, because um, Eddie, like, Eddie just walked away from him. They were in the forest, right? Okay. This so is him returning from that confrontation with Eddie. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. How far was he from the compound? Because, like... I know. What's supposed to get Like, Eddie got... Either he had, like, a phone with him. It's like, I feel it's kind of not like really responsible when it's like in undercover to have his phone with the numbers right
0: of the people he's working with i, I wouldn't be surprised if eddie wanted to spare lock yeah because maybe maybe some of eddie's story is true and he also relates to lock the way that Locke related to him precisely but so knows? he was like okay i'll ask him to take me hunting and lock like was like, oh, all right, that's a perfect opportunity to confront him. Yeah. Eddie's also very
1: young, very new at this. Yes. So maybe as not like learn to not get as attached to people when he's undercover.
0: Right. That's a good point. So now we're going to be moving on to segments. Our first segment is our best line award. Um, My best line award goes to Hurley for...
3: Bear? Is that you? <laughs>
0: Because he's going to answer for sure. Um, and I have an honorable mention that goes to Charlie for... Sand.
3: You need to speak to the sand. Trees. Yeah, I've heard they're wonderful conversationalists.
0: That
1: with like, the Lord of the Rings sex story makes that line even better.
0: There's a lot of talking to people that are not people. Yeah, I love... um, I love Charlie's sarcasm. Is he's he the best dude? No. But he's pretty funny. He's pretty funny. Yeah. And mine goes to Charlie for
3: polar bears are meant to be quite clever very clever they're like the einsteins of the bear
1: community bless his heart Mm -hmm. you know and mine goes too early as well
3: you're gonna like turn into the hulk or something
1: (laughs) and why not yeah i just really love like pop culture princes and superheroes artists.
0: agreed great So um, we also have Man of Science, Man of Faith, which is our next segment. Um, Luckily, our person is Locke this episode. Um, So (laughs) do you guys think that Locke is more of a Man of Science or a Man of Faith this episode? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Man of Faith. Yeah. How come? Because it's Locke. Yeah. He sure does have faith that the island is going to tell him what to do, right? Also, even like having
1: Eddie, when like Mike and Jan are telling him that Eddie is... um, if like, a cop, mm-hmm. still wants to, like, wants to believe that Eddie could be with them and not be a cop
0: and that. Yeah, yeah. He, he thinks there's a mistake. Oh, so sad. So our next segment is Hurley's Walkman, um, which is when there's music, and uh, on Locke's radio while he's driving the truck, it's I Feel Like Going Home, Um, and Lostpedia said that it was either by Corey Harris or by the Whiteley Brothers, and they weren't sure, like, which cover of the song it was. So. Oh. There you go. Um, Did they do the thing? The thing is when uh, they say the name of the episode in the episode. Um, They didn't, but they did say it in uh, question mark. And so I'm gonna count- I'm not necessarily gonna count that as them doing the thing, but I am gonna put the clip in anyway.
3: So what's next? We may come, get some sleep, and wait for further instruction.
0: How many episodes since the last knockout? Um, Echo was already knocked out, so I'm gonna go with two, because Echo was already yeah, knocked Echo out. Yeah, Echo doesn't count. Yeah! Okay, I'm right? gonna go with two. Yeah. Yeah! Alright, and how many episodes since the last Jack's plane? Jack wasn't in the episode, so it's been ten <laughs> episodes since the last Jack's plane. Brutal. Um, does this episode pass the Bechdel test? Definitely not. Mm, as per usual. Uh, I think Claire, Nikki, and Jan are, like, the only women in the episode. And they're all talking, like, at lock. That's boy. Yeah.
1: And bear like talking. Sorry, lines, just like small lines.
0: Yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you so much to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. Um, please, if you're so inclined, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Wherever podcasts are sold. Wherever podcasts <laughs> are sold. Um, we really appreciate it. It helps, uh, people find us. So, yeah. Um, or just tell people. That also helps people find us. It's true. If you're a fan of The 100, um, Robin and Sam like to talk about that show, too. I'm not on that pod anymore for my own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, they are actually having a, like, a pretty good time recapping the season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check that out. We have seasons four, four through seven available now. Yeah, so we're just finishing seven, which is the final season, and then we're going to be going back to do the first. Yo, yeah, when does this plot come out? With the beginning, beginning is of the sh- September. Is the show going to be over by then? No. No. Okay. No. 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 If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. Um, we have the first four seasons of Riverdale done. We have an episode for every single episode of Riverdale that is currently available. Um, it is the junk food of television, which is what it's Sam true. likes to call it, and gosh, it is so much fun. It has been renewed for season 5 and season 6, so we'll be there. It's stupid fun nonsense. That they shoot right here in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Um we are have all done um season 1 already and we are taking up 2020 to do season 2, so we're almost done. And uh 2021 is for season 3 and hopefully we'll have some season 4 by then. Uh, join us over there Hell yeah if you're a fan of star trek well most specifically star trek picard we covered all of season one of star trek picard we're gonna be having more star trek um on that feed at some point but um we're like really busy but um yeah sam and i especially love star trek and we made robin come along for the ride we could probably talk about lower decks on that one like the actual tv show lower deck there's a brand new star trek out right now that we just haven't talked about do whatever you want it's so good it's so cute yeah you can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, um but I do post gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr, so please support me because um I have fun over there. It's true she does. And our Patreon is patreoncom theaficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it cuz it is expensive. Yeah. It really do be it really do be expensive. Thank she pricey. The... Um like we said earlier in the podcast, um there is some really cool perks for you if you join our Patreon, but even if you don't Check out shopylux.com because that's a way that you can help us out without uh like with by also getting something really, really cool. Yeah. Um you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jever, that's R O B Y N E J E F F R E Y. pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Joanna, thank you so much for joining us! Yay! Thank you for having me. Where can we follow you? Uh you can find
1: me on Twitter at Vridissima and on Tumblr
0: at the tag that love the wolf. Perfect, and you can find all of those in the description. Yeah. Next episode is episode three hundred four. It's called Every Man for Himself, and our guest will be my sister. We will be having Brittany's sister Lindsay on for the very first time on this podcast. My sister has been on twice. Your cousin has been on twice. My cousin has been on twice. We've true. never had Lindsay on, so. We're really excited to have her this next episode. And she gets really mad whenever we bring it up because she hasn't been on it yet. And I'm like, you signed up for your episode like two years ago. These things take time. Yeah. <laughs> but she's a deeply impatient person. Yeah. So yeah. we we did have Lindsay on once on our Riverdale podcast. That's true. A trip. while ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're excited to have her for this next episode. Anyway, you can check her out on Instagram at plus size Barbie official. She's a legit plus size influencer. <laughs> she has a lot of followers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to manage some of them lately. There's right. three hundred fifty thousand of them. Yeah. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Love you,
1: bye.
0: Bye. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Hi, welcome to spoilers. Oh my god, thank you for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Oh my god, it's a pleasure to be here. So, I'm gonna first go into our flashback spoilers because I feel like that will be smaller. Cool, 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 here. cool, 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 cool. There might not be very many considering like this never comes back. Um, okay. Um, I think I have one. Okay. <laughs> one flashback spoiler. Um, the point in which he doesn't load Eddie's gun. He -hmm. loads his own gun, but doesn't load Eddie's. Not only does that remind me of Jack and Michael last season, but it also reminds me of the beginning of season four when, um, Jack takes one of Locke's guns and full on pulls the trigger to shoot Locke in the head. Oh yeah. And Locke's like, that one doesn't have any freaking bullets in it, bro. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. So that, that, that reminded me of that moment as well. It's like one of like the main, like I I think about that that moment a lot. I think about that a lot. I
1: have like, A question like if I remember right Anthony Cooper has done some shady stuff right yeah Mm -hmm. could like them choosing to look into John Locke also be related to his associations with Anthony Cooper so
0: yeah it like it could at this point Anthony Cooper is still like like he faked his death And, like, even though Locke knows that he's still alive, like, I don't- I think that he's still, like, actively, like, dead. But then in Man from Tallahassee, later this season, when we figure out, like, how Locke lost the use of his legs, it's because Anthony Cooper's, like, under a completely different name, and he has the son of his, like, wife- because he's, like, gonna marry her, I think, his, like, fiance- since he's, like, kind of onto him, he, like, full-on has not killed. Oh! So so he definitely has some sort of, like, pull in that way. Okay. I don't know if he would get involved with the police, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if he gets involved with the police, they might start looking into him, and then he'd be screwed. So I'm not sure, but I don't think I would put it past him to, like, continue messing up John's life, even after he helped him get all his money out from his bank account. 100%.
1: Stuff. My second thought was, like, like, it would have been really cool, because, like, that. Deleted scene of like Jen and Mike having been arrested, yeah, was cut. It would have been cool if they did around the same place as like Sawyer and you'd have like seen him.
0: Oh, yeah, that would have been fun,
1: yeah, when Sawyer was in jail.
0: Yeah, it would have been nice to have like some sort of connection to any other other part of the show, yeah, yeah, so. Locke, with the, like, piece of paper that he's writing on at the beginning of the episode, it's, like, Sun in season six when, um, she hits her head and can only speak Korean for a while, and she has to also write her stuff down. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of that plot line, but that's what it reminded me of. All right, so, Boon, the vision quest, etc. Uh, the island? Jacob? Jacob, uh, it's not Locke's- the man in black because it's too helpful to be the man in black. Yeah, and it's not just Locke's brain because, like we said, he has a lot of information that he wouldn't have. So I'm inclined to think it's Jacob because whenever Locke says I need to talk to the island or like the island told me it was a sacrifice that the island demanded, it's basically just saying Jacob, right? Exactly. I think.
1: I also wonder, like with the farmers' enter part, if that's if that's Locke mm-hmm. uh, also intervening or. If Jacob also knows about Locke's time compound,
0: I think Jacob knows everything. I definitely think that could be Jacob. I I'm probably like leaning towards it being Jacob. Probably. That bums me out so much. What? That is Jacob. Yeah. Why? Because I think he's just he put he to- he spends so much of his time torturing Locke. You know, but that's the thing is that I think he's trying to help Locke. He's just misguided, and that's like yeah. almost worse. Yeah. Yeah. I guess most of it's just Jacob, really. Um. So in the uh, vision, we see Claire, Charlie, and Aaron, and he says they will be fine for a while. Um, And the writers knew that Charlie was going to die at the end of this season, I assume. So that's kind of like that. And then also on Lostpedia, it said that during the airport scene, Sawyer can be heard saying, wipe the stars out of your eyes, sweetheart. This audio was taken from next episode, "Every Man for himself during a conversation with Kate that's interesting um so that is also interesting that not only is this well I I wonder this is hmm I think this episode is probably happening concurrently oh it's definitely happening concurrently with like the first two episodes yeah so if that's true then this is like the future like Sawyer says that in the future (gasps) oh so yeah I don't know that's kind of weird I don't really know how to make sense of that, but I, I guess it, just the fact that it must be Jacob. Don't know what to do with any of that.
1: It could be interesting to see if this episode if it's something specifically specific that sparks Sawyer to say that and it could have been something that's like Jacob put in there for
0: him to say. Right. Let me see if I can find it here. I don't know when in the episode it is, so I might have to... Yeah, here it is. Um, Sawyer gets uh, electrocuted. Um, He says, yeah, I felt the jolt. I can take it. The other guy, he ain't gonna be ready for it. What do you think? I'm crazy? Kate says, no, I'm actually impressed. Sawyer says, well, wipe the snar- stars out of your eyes, sweetheart, because we're going to do this. Kate says, what about Jack? And he says, what about him? We don't even know if he's here. We don't even know if he's alive. We got to take care of us. It's every man for himself, Freckles. So we what know belt, already that he, we already know that they do the thing next. Yep. Episode. Yeah. So that's the context for that. Um, You're, there's so much good um, skate stuff in or uh, yeah, no, it's skate. Not Jate. Skate stuff in this, like, early, like, season. It really is. It's good stuff. I'm really happy for you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I was, like, so... (laughs) Like, last episode when you and Jillian were just, like, talking about Juliet and, like, not even listening to my skate things, I was like, no, I understand, but after, like, after this skate is over, so please let me just talk about skate. I know, I'm sorry. I was like, it's gonna be over soon, and this is the only time I have the opportunity to talk about it. Bruh. You can pop off next episode. Thank you so much. I hope that Lindsay doesn't. I don't know what Lindsay should. Lindsay just loves everything to do with Sawyer, okay, so it doesn't great. matter. So the next thing that I had was just that Locke says bad things happen to people who hang around me. Obviously, Charlie dies at the end of the season, like I said before. No, I swear. When I watched that for the first time, I cried for four days. Just uh, you're valid. I still, yeah.
1: I still can't believe that. Like, I watched that scene of like. Uh, Charlie and I didn't believe Charlie had died mm-hmm. so I did not cry oh wow oh and I kept waiting for him to come back oh my gosh <gasps> no. because because the thing is I did not know the flash sideways were a thing mm-hmm. so and if you watch Kebby from the Kebby modern au videos videos I'm with you on youtube there's always the Desmond in the bar to talk about what happened. So I was 100% sure that Charlie was going to come back and that he was not that.
0: Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. Misled by fan videos yeah. is the worst thing. <laughs> and it is so real. So like
1: only yeah. in season six that I start like thinking, wait, is
0: Charlie actually dead? Oh, so, yeah. oh I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. So we see the um, Dharma initiative staff members dead in the polar bear cave And, um, on Lostpedia, it's kind of assumed that the people in the Pearl lived through the Purge. The Purge is when, like, Ben with the others, like, killed everybody, basically. The Purge is a film series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they say that probably everyone was killed in the Purge, uh, but not, like, Rodzinski obviously, because he was in the- the swan, Convince, and not the people in the Pearl, because they obviously, like, weren't in Dharmaville at that time. So people say that they were likely killed after the bears escaped during the purge. So the bears escaped after the purge, came and found the Pearl members and killed them. Okay. Is basically what is, like, known to have happened. Hurley <laughs> thinks Desmond will get superpowers. Desmond gets superpowers. That's the next one. He can see the future. Yeah. That's what that is. Um, oh, and then the next one was just about, um... Locke talking to Echo and if that was a vision or Jacob speaking through Echo, um, I think that it was probably, I, I'm inclined to think it was Jacob. I think it was Jacob. Yeah. I so 100% yeah. think that was Jacob. Whether Echo, like, actually woke up and spoke or not, I think that Jacob could have make, made him do that and or given Lock the vision either way. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it matters. I think you're right, um, and that's it. That's all I got. This was a super fun episode to talk. about. It was about. a fun episode, even though it's like a kind of a weird episode. Um, I still thought that you know we had some really valuable thoughts, and I had a really great time talking about it with you guys. Same.
1: I was thinking like about the uh, the vision, the vision that uh, Locke has air of the airport, mm-hmm. and I think like when we're talking like about early and early being this this idea of him helping others, but him also not being a leader, it kind of like goes into like the end of the show. Yes. It ends with him helping people, but him Mm -hmm. for everyone and going to one who who runs is easy Yeah, I agree.
0: That was the thing that like I was like bursting to say at the time. I was like, it's because they're all protectors of the island. Yeah. They didn't know at that time. I was like, if they had known that they were gonna do that, I wonder if they would have made him like CEO of the airport or something. Oh my god, that would have been cool. Oh,
1: yeah, that would have been so cool. Yeah. Like, to have made sense with already knowing that, like, is, he has won the lottery. Yeah. Like, so, making him the CEO would have not been that strange. Right. Yeah, true. And still, like, in that vision, also, like, the fact that Desmond is shown as a pilot, mm-hmm. how, like, all moving everywhere. Yeah, true. It, like, represents Desmond who can figure out what to do and is always, like, moving, changing jobs. Like, even when he settles down with Penny, he settles down in a boat, which is also not in the same place. Yes. So yeah. I think that's also... Yeah. I like that. Another thing I wrote was about, like, sharp people who are supposed to like, bad luck, like, Locke and Early, and then yeah. and then you end up also having him hanging out with Desmond, who just keeps
0: singing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's gonna happen, and you don't think about, like, how Locke said that, because... It doesn't happen until like halfway through the season when he starts like seeing him die. So you like don't even think about it until you like rewatch the season and you're like, oh crap! Like it's it, it started even then. Yeah.
1: And and like when you were talking about like the dar the we were talking about the toy that like Locke found in the cages. Yeah. And you said you loved the theory that it was. Yeah. A toy. And I was thinking like if if there were kids in the island who could have played around the cages and. Like kids let toys yes. go into the cages. Oh. And if the purge then happened and then the toy ends up being the bear and the bear takes it away. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like let's make let's make um the bear the main character and the bear's just like, I miss my tiny child friend. I'm gonna bring this as a memento.
1: <laughs> oh my god, that'd be great. <laughs>
0: that'd be so weird.
1: My last spoiler thought was like when we we're talking about like Desmond Vision mm-hmm. and we're talking about like Desmond was not even listening to the speech, right? But like, if he listened before in his vision, he, like in the future, he'll try to change his going up to the play speaking. That's possible.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, because I mean, at first I was like, no, because um, he doesn't like know that they're visions yet, you know, like later he knows that they're, they're visions of the future. But now it's like since he doesn't he doesn't know right now, I still wonder if he's like, I've already seen the speech. You know, he's like, I don't need to see it again. I'm good, thank you. That's all I have. Cool. Thanks. That was those were good insights. Yeah. Hey guys, before I end the podcast, you know what I remembered? Um, this is in regards to uh Locke's name being Jonathan on his gun paperwork i remembered in season four in cabin fever when we see um emily giving birth she was in a like car accident and then she had to give birth to john prematurely and she yelled name him john name him john like she didn't say name him jonathan i just remembered that it's interesting well i mean heck joanna thank you so much for joining us you always have such like great things to add Thank you for having me. It's always super fun. Yeah, and thank you always for your live tweets, too. I love Oh, Oh They're them. so great.
1: I'm glad you guys like it. It's always fun to, like, write as I listen because I always, like,
0: have mm-hmm. thoughts and stuff, but also write. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you guys can follow uh, Joanna using um, the links that are in the description, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere, and you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end, and you can follow both of us at The Afficionados all over the place, but mostly Twitter. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Please consider uh, checking that out, um, especially before November to get cool stickers and stuff, and uh, I think that's, uh, that's just about it. Yeah. So so yeah, we will see you guys um next month for um the next episode with uh Britney's sister. I'm really excited to talk about it. It's gonna be chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, love you, bye. bye. Bye.
3: So where are Echo and Desmond? Are they off the mutant and building structures as well?